Hi guys, thanks for checking out the Booze Reviews podcast. If you're a fan of our sister show, the 1068 Pubcast, you might recognize these first two episodes as two of the after-hours special episodes on that feed. Several years back, Earnshaw had this great idea to combine drinking and watching old movies. And after reviewing the first two movies in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Earnshaw and I decided to take this show on the road. To preserve this show's full history, we're replaying those first two 1068 Pubcast episodes as episode 1 and 2 here. If you want to skip through to new content, our first new show will be episode 3. Enjoy! Okay, well, I got my beer. How about you? I I got a beer. How are you doing, man? Dude, I'm I'm good. I can't complain. I tell you what, man. I've been having some back pain. I'm getting old. Getting old. Um... We were talking about that the other day, actually. Like, do you ever have aches and pains? And I'm like, not a lot, but you know, I hit my knee playing soccer like two months ago, and it still fucking hurts. And oh, I'm yeah. like, come on, man. Right? Have you heard of uh, what's it called? Uh, Taya Bitzweizen? No. It's kind of like it's a muscle cream. It's kind of like Ben Gay, uh, but they got some pills too. I, I tell you, man, I don't usually bite into this stuff, but I'm a believer because um, they got one that's called like Recov. Uh, or something like that when you're working out and um, they got this pill that's like a guard that's supposed to help prevent it from coming so yeah it's legit man i tell you what i cannot recommend highly enough taking tahabitsu eisen guard why do i feel like you're making up that name you know about taking uh tahabitsu eisen uh guard okay i got it Well, welcome to the second Lord of the Rings podcast. We're going to do the Two Towers today. It's Miliardo here, and I have Earnshaw on the line. How are you doing, good sir? I'm good. Well, you remember about a year ago, we did the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, Fellowship of the Ring Does It Hold Up podcast, and now a year later, appropriately, we're doing the Two Towers, because that was a year later, so it's still 16 years ago today. Symmetry. Right? Yeah, 16 years ago today, this thing came out. Um and I thought it'd be fun to put this into context. So um, I did kind of like a um, Trivial Pursuit board here. Just just okay. six quick facts. Things that were happening when Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers came out. From a ge- okay. category of geography or blue. Do you remember the Sour Biscuit Fire? No. Sour biscuit yeah. fire. Yeah, I'm gonna be real. I, I have no idea what the frick that is, but apparently, like in two, when this movie came out, uh, 2002, Oregon and Northern California were on fire for like two months straight, and I don't even remember wow. that. How is that a thing? Don't even remember that. It, it probably because it happens a lot out there, so it just all blends together in our minds. I think. Yeah. Uh, category of pink entertainment. The first season of American Idol. Right? That was uh, when this movie came out. The Cate- first season? The first season, yeah. Cate- wow. Category of yellow, history. 
This was also the year where President Bush declared that Saddam Hussein had a massive stockpile of biological weapons. Okay. Um, right? Right? Uh, that I can remember. Yeah. But, you know, that's when this movie, that's how long ago this was. Arts and literature, the brown, later purple ca- uh, category. This was when, uh, was it Coraline? Coraline? Coraline, I think. Coraline and Aragon came out, the books. Okay. Uh, this one blew my mind. Green, science and nature. LinkedIn came into existence the, the year this wow. movie came out. Yeah. I don't have a LinkedIn account. I've never had one. Do you? <laughs> no. I will avoid, like, the plague <laughs> at yeah. all costs. Yeah. And, of course, uh, sports and leisure. This is the, the year the Houston Texans started existing, all in 2002. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. Puts that it in, feels like a long time ago. Right. Puts it in perspective. Uh, I also found the most popular films in 2002. There was The Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, of course, was one of the most popular films. Um, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. There you go. Wow. Spider-Man. That's right. Okay. Spider-Man. Just Spider-Man. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, Men in Ugh. Black 2, uh, Die Another Day, Signs, Ice Age, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Minority Report, Chicago, Gangs of New York. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Getting old, man. There were a couple duds in there. There were some good ones in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we should keep doing this even after the Lord of the Rings are all gone. Watching yeah, movies, absolutely. drinking absolutely. beer, talking shit well, about him. After I was binging season one of The O.C., I thought, I really want to do season one of The O.C. somehow. <laughs> because yeah. I know you used to like it. I did. And I yeah. used to like it for whatever reason. Um, I don't even know how I got started back on this. It was summertime, and I said, I just want a good summertime show to like disappear into and not have to think hard about. And I was like, I think it's O.C. time. <laughs> okay, so does the O.C. hold up, you know? Um, yeah, yes and no. I guess that would depend on if you thought it was good to begin with. Fair enough. I thought the first season at the time was pretty, pretty good for like a nighttime soap type uh, show. And honestly, I have laughed out loud a lot at watching the show, but it's also, you know, teenage romance, melodrama, and some of it is so ridiculous. Right, right. Seth is hilarious, though. I've laughed out a lot, I have to say. Right. So I wanted to kind of break this up the way we did last time because that format worked really well. Got some questions. You ready to dive into these? Let's do it. How did it come to this? How? When? And where is your skulking friend? What are we all along to, Sam? Lord Aragorn, where is he? It's one of his companions. I'd hoped you would tell me. One of the ones that really got to me that... I don't know how I never thought about this before. So they're going through the marsh. Uh, I guess, is that Emin Wheel? Is that is that where they were going through with Smeagol? Gollum? Uh, yeah, maybe. The Dead Marshes. Dead I don't Marshes, know what, yes. I don't know what that's in relation to map-wise. I had to pull out the map to do some geography. Oh, did you? Watching this again because I just thought, I used to know Middle Earth like the back of my hand, but now I'm like, the Dead Marshes, where the hell are the Dead Marshes at in relation to other places you know, in Middle Earth? Well, when they were walking through there, you know, Frodo's, you know, I fucking the dead guy, right? And he falls in all, all limp-like. Go with me here. He sees the dead guy directly under the water. He faints. He hits the water. And then he's under the water. And there's no dead guy. So where did right. the body go, right? Shouldn't he be like, I'll cuddle up with zombie elf bro, right? Good question. I don't know if I can answer that. <laughs> the bodies were literal, right? That was a, that was a physical 
form that was in the water. I thought so too. I really did. But then when he hit the water, nothing was there. I thought it was. I I guess I had envisioned like really shallow pools of water with with dead bodies. But right. Yeah. But you know, if, and then when he falls in, you look down and it's like twenty feet deep magically now too. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like there was a line I almost thought when they first get there and, and Smeagol says, you know, these are the marshes filled with bodies of slain men or something like that. Um, so I assume, I always always assumed that was literal. There were, there were actual bodies in the water. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe when he fell in, he, he, he hit it and it floated down further or something. <laughs> um, I, you know, that, that's reaching, I think, but I like the effort. I do. Yeah. That's just something I was confused by, you know, spatially. What you got? Um, Okay, so before I popped it in, the number one thing was for me, and I'd spent a good 15 or 20 minutes before I pressed play thinking, how did this movie start? So my question to you is, did you remember how it opened up? Uh, I did, yeah. And I wanted to talk about that later in praise. I don't know why I remembered that, but I think – I'll talk more about this later. I think that even – 16 years ago, I remember coming back a year later and just being brought back into the world almost instantly. That hit me so hard back then, um, the way they did that and brought me back up to speed and back into the plot that I very, very much remembered. Um, I did not remember that how it transitioned from, I guess that was a a dream sequence or whatever, to yeah. uh, the actual moving plot. Um, but... I did remember that dream sequence kind of bringing you as a summary back into the movie and bringing you back into that world. And I thought that was really cool. We we can totally touch on it again because I also have some good things to say about it. But um, that was the starting point for me. I'm going to pop this in. And I knew all these movies like the back of my hand. And I, and I thought, how did this movie start? And I could not remember. I thought maybe Frodo and, and Sam are just walking around. That's how it starts. Right, um, right. And no, I was I was very wrong. Yeah, yeah. All right, this is a this is right up your alley, man. This is a Boromir question. Even though he's dead, I got a Boromir question for you. Sad. <laughs> so remember when Faramir told Sam and Frodo that Boromir was dead, and they were so you know shocked and sad and whatever. You know how when? Yeah. So you know you're assuming Sam and Frodo don't know Boromir was dead, and then later Sam was like, "You want to know why your brother died?" And all Sam, you know, all pissed off Sam mode. Mm-hmm. And my thought was immediately like, how could you possibly know that? You didn't even know he died, and now you know why he died. And I actually got so curious about this one that I, I looked it up online a little bit. And there are other people just like me that are just like, what the hell? What's going on here? So what are your thoughts? Um, I never I never even considered that, honestly. Um, so that that's a good catch. Um, well, Faramir references that he feels that Boromir's dead, even though he has no proof, right? right. When he first brings him to the cave. He says his horn washed ashore or I, I just know. And they're like, how do you know? And that's when he's like, he's my brother. Um, so I assume I, I would have to assume that since he said that they're taking him at his word and also believing it. And based on what Frodo knows happened before he broke from, from Boromir and ran away from him, that possibly, you know, Boromir being possessed or whatever, overtaken by the ring momentarily uh, led led to his death so it, it that is a cheat you're right that's yeah. a little bit of a narrative cheat for sam to have like a right. uh, a big moment and yeah. also for faramir to change have a change of heart they probably even think about it 
because they're never with Faramir and Osgiliath at that point. So they had to have a line like that to make Faramir see the error of his ways. Yeah. Whereas in the book, they wouldn't have needed that at all because that didn't happen. Right. So maybe that's just a just a goof on the screenwriters um, or taking a little liberty with with yeah, Faramir gave them some information. I'm thinking this, but you know, to not have it confirmed. Um, yeah, that's a little bit of a cheat. That's a good catch. Yeah, I, I get uh, I get all noticey when I'm when I'm drunk. But I, I tell you what, man, like as as much as they fucked up Faramir's character, I feel like it was like it became a spinning plate scenario where they they got to like move the plot along, and yep. so that's probably yeah, like you said, probably just a continuity thing that, that they didn't catch. Yep. All right, what you got? One of my other main questions, um, and I feel that I'm in the minority in this and at the time watching it i felt the same way and i think it still holds but before i started watching it i wrote down like how will i react to Gollum, smeagol this go around because i remember i don't know what your experience was but i remember when i watched this in theaters um that and then afterwards when you're talking about it number one in theaters everyone loved the smeagol character because they laughed at his lines right. I, you know right. i remember hearing some like oz or whatever um, some reactions to him that were positive. And then later, you know, when the movie's been out for a while and everyone's talking about it and stuff, people are, are talking about the character uh, Smeagol a lot. And they sympathized with him and felt sorry for him. And um, I'm not even talking about the technical aspects of like Andy Serkis bringing it to life. All that's great. Just yeah, yeah. narratively the character itself. But I remember thinking at watching it like I don't like Smeagol. He's not humanized to me. I always felt that under the surface that that um, Gollum was lurking there. It was never going to go away. And, right. and watching the two towers again, I felt they really were cheating you to making you think that he could change. He could change, but I don't think that 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 was ever really going to happen. Yeah. And even later in the movie, they try to make it seem like, well, when Faramir captured him, he felt betrayed. So that that proved to him that he he was going to continue to be bad or or you know frodo wasn't worth it to to make that transition and being like a better person or a better guy or creature or whatever so i never felt sympathetic towards him and and that may be my fault i'm not saying my interpretation's right so that was a big thing for me how will i react to Gollum? yeah and watching it this time i, I think i sort of felt the same way I, I answered my question which was just like yeah my opinion hasn't changed about this i, I get that it's a bit tragic um but you know, and not even to dip into the next movie, but but as we see, you know, taking the ring was a choice that he made, and I know that it has power, but um, you know, I don't think he's faultless in the creature that that he became. So I have a right. hard time sympathizing with Gollum as a character, yeah. and I just remember back in the day, everyone being like, "He's so cute." <laughs> <laughs> what were your what were your feelings at the time? What were your feelings this time? Um, a lot of the Gollum stuff from the Two Towers, I, I was kind of eye rolling on it. Honestly, like I didn't think because if you think about you know right when it was coming out in the theaters, there were a lot of people that would be laughing at his antics, and for me, it was always just kind of like it seemed like cheap. You know, Medea goes to the movies type shit. You know, it's, it's like stuff that I didn't care to be in my epic movie, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so at the time, that's how I felt about it. He he annoyed me because he was this sort of weird, um, you know, ha grabbing the lowest hanging fruit for comedy purposes type thing. Um, 
but I honestly had never, ever, ever thought about him as a, or thought about the way they portrayed him as a manipulation of my, my empathy, which is kind of how you were describing it. And when it's interesting, you like, I'm thinking about him from the very beginning when he murdered, um, and I don't, was this in two towers or was this later when he killed his friend? Uh, that they, is the beginning of uh, Return of the King. Okay, so I'm thinking. So I remember how that one starts. Right <laughs> there, you go. And I don't. So chronologically, you know, in that world, the very beginning of of what you see of him would be in the third movie. That that was his first earliest scene chronologically, and that face he makes as he kills his friend is the same face that he makes as, when he's violent as Gollum years later, and it's the uh, yeah. same sort of um, violence you see. And it, I believe it's the exact same face you see as he's like trying to wrestle. Uh, Frodo and Mount Doom spoilers at the end of the third movie and um, <laughs> 16 years later and kind of that, uh, that biting that lip yes yeah, yeah and I and so exactly what you're so in that way you're right Gollum was always there Gollum was there the second the ring appeared Gollum was part of Smeagol from the very beginning he wasn't this like innocent um, Frodo Sam Mary Pippin character right. he wasn't right. one of the good guys ever um, and I never had thought about being manipulated like that that's pretty interesting did I answer your question? I just yeah, I got absolutely. I think no, I think that's a great answer because I think and we're all, we're agreeing a little bit like that that's why part of the reason I can't sympathize because I think yeah. like you said and and I said that that Gollum was always there under the surface. Um I don't know, you know, necessarily I know the ring is going to bring out the worst parts of you, but it, I mean you're right. It, it it was it was lurking. Yeah. So Yeah. All right. You want to hear one of my questions here? Yeah, hit me. All right. So do you want another continuity one or a drunken funny one? <laughs> uh, hit me with the continuity one because right. I have some funny ones and we can we All can right. uh, sweep back to those maybe towards the end when we get our seriousness <laughs> out of it. All right. So this is another one that is almost as big of a continuity thing as the last one to me. Uh, so this is Fanghorn now. Um, Gandalf met up with Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. Gandalf the White now. And uh, Aragorn calls him, or I think it was Aragorn calls him Gandalf. Uh, one of them does. I don't remember. And he goes, oh, yes, Gandalf. That's what they used to call me. And at that point, I was wondering, like, what what the fuck did Merry and Pippin call him? Because they, they had just bumped into him. You know what I mean? So, and then were they yeah. just like, guy, bro. Mm. And that was yeah. a continuity thing where it's like, did he really not remember his name until just now? I don't know. And maybe there's something I'm missing or maybe I'm being too, too judgmental on it. But that was, that was something where I was like, what? Yeah. I, that's a good catch too. I think that probably is a continuity error and to some degree, because um, if he's foggy still from coming back, you know, to middle earth in the capacity that he did after his fight with the Balrog, then in his memories, like whatever, it's still in a haze. Um, it would have been jarred by running into them because he would have had extended dealings with them probably. Right. Um, I, even if it was just like an hour of of the day, I don't know how much time passed when he meets them, tells Treebeard to take care of them, they leave, whatever, and he keeps walking through the forest. But you have to think that wasn't like a five minute exchange. Um, they would have they would have talked some. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that's the implication there is that right. Mary and Pippin saw him. Yep. Um, yeah, that's that's a good catch. I think that again, that's probably just the thing they did to kind of just have like a cheat moment. Like, yeah. we're gonna let the audience know that he's 
not the same person that he was before. Right. He's different yeah. now. He's, he's Gandalf the white. So they kind of had that line to instill that in us. Um, yeah. I was thinking this is character building. I get it. I get why they did it, but it was, it, to me, it was just kind of sloppy. I was like, eh, not a fan, not a fan of that particular line that could have been done in a, in a better way. I think. Yeah. They, they had to draw that out to make it look um, exciting. I guess I think, you know, even, even to the point where they mixed in, um, like Saruman's voice with Ian McKellen's, Christopher Lee's and Ian McKellen's, that the audio mix like did them together, and I'm like, well, they're just they're just being. I mean, that's just yeah, yeah. Know, that's a dick move. We know it's not Saruman. I mean, yeah, yeah. But they're trying to tease it out for for suspense purposes, um, right? And right. and that's fine, I guess. That scene doesn't necessarily do anything for me, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And that kind of leads into my next my next serious question. Um, why don't I like Gandalf more? You mean as as Gandalf the White? As I did like him a little bit better as Gray. Um, and I was thinking back to watching the first movie again and watching this one, but just as a character in general, like Gandalf is badass. Like I can concede that, but I don't. But I don't know why I don't like him more. Like he kind of gets on my nerves. Like he's kind of a dick, and I think yeah. I said this when we were talking about the first movie like he's kind of a jerk yeah yeah he toys with people he pulls people around and and i had to go back and read some stuff because i was just curious myself and i guess i came across something that i hadn't read before but but that said that gandalf adhered to um uh, a certain you know mantra or missive in dealings with middle earth which was that he wouldn't directly influence things but he would aid or help um so i I guess that's part of why he does that like i'm only going to halfway give you the answer to this question (laughs) i think that gandalf always does it so aggravating yeah yeah um and that may take away from why i don't like him as a character because he's not more straightforward i know that's probably a big part of it that always gets on my nerves when there's that kind of character in like a tv show or a movie like I, i hate that people don't just talk sometimes um because lots of problems would be solved in movies and TV shows if the characters would just friggin' talk to each other. Right. I don't know what your feelings on Gandalf are. Maybe you can make a case for him. Um, I can't remember back in the day how you felt. Yeah. Um, but I remember back in the day I was I, – I felt the same way I do now. Same with Gollum. I just thought, I don't really like Gandalf that much. He, he's kind of a dick. I think um, – I do have an appreciation for Gandalf, and it's not going to be in the same level as – like I don't like him as much as Aragorn or Boromir or Faramir or uh, Theoden or Aemir. A- I mean, there's a lot of these these like badass dudes running around Middle Earth that are just yeah. really holding it down and not being a dick for no reason. But like you know, I'm also a big fan of like Doctor Who and um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And one of the things that those have in them in common to Gandalf is. Um, that these humanoid looking creatures that aren't actually human and in the context of what a human is and what it means to be human, the character is just kind of fucked up and weird, but you're like, Oh, that's right. The doctor isn't a human. He's a time Lord. So when he's running around being, being a, a dick to people for no reason, it's because he kind of views them as, you know, as cats because he's been alive for 900 years or whatever. And to me, there's right. a bit of that going on with Gandalf where viewed in the lens of a human being, like he really is just a crotchety old man. And you're kind of like Gandalf go to bed. 
get your nap time or whatever you need to be a functional human being for the rest of the yeah. day. But, you know, if I think of him as not the human, but as this wizard, which was probably, you know, a different race, different species, technically. And he probably does because of his lifespan. He probably does view these other creatures more like cats and ferrets or whatever. And that's why he it's OK for him to walking around beating the shit out of Marion Pippin for no good reason, because he I mean, he really just does. He's a he's a he looks human, but he's not. And I guess that's where yeah. if I hold him up to the human standard, there are just so many better noble humans in the story that make him just look like a like a dick for no reason. That's that's a good point. Um, and that's probably something I should should keep in mind when we get to the third movie. So I'm, I'm not having this feeling again because I know I had it when I watched the first one and I had it again this time. So I need to hold on to that. Because in terms of the story, he has so many cool scenes. He does so yeah. many awesome things. And I'm like, man, he, he lays it down. And he fights on the side of good. So obviously that that's another plus, a huge plus. Um, some of my favorite parts of Two Towers, Gandalf was in. Um, so he, he's cool. He does cool things, but he also just aggravates the hell out of me sometimes. <laughs> and I just, I'm like, yeah. I, I want to like you more than I really do. Like, yeah. I'm glad he's, on, I'm glad you're on my side, but we we're not getting a beer after this. Right. Yeah. I, and I think that's kind of what you're supposed to come away with. I think that's what the wizards, I mean, think about Saruman, you know, like, I, I think the wizards are supposed to just be these kind of like super smart but super aware of it dickheads that you know aren't the beer guy you know they're not the guy you get the beer with that's the that's the upstanding men and hobbits and elves and whatever you know it's yeah so i, I like that analysis not the guy i'll get a beer with fuck you gandalf sorry gandalf you go to the <laughs> flagging in or wherever by yourself bumper sticker trademark 1068 pubcast um all right i got i got another one for you here um okay Huge Theoden fan. Love me some Theoden. Uh, Theoden's decision to go to Helm's Deep. Like, so he was, this was back at uh, Edoras, and, and and all the people are giving him crap about this decision. And I remember thinking this immediately in the theater 16 years ago, because, you know, it was like Gandalf, Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas against Theoden. And then he decides to go to Helm's Deep, and then Gandalf's like, he's a fool, or whatever. I don't remember the exact words, but everybody was giving him crap about that. And then at Helm's Deep, think about the force that came in, and I was thinking, like, in what way was that decision wrong? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why were all the... They had made the best decision possible, and that was in the face of all these other people who were, you know, to date the protagonist that you as the as the viewer were like siding with innately because you're like, oh yeah, I've been with Aragorn. I've been with Gimli and Legolas and Gandalf. They all want him to go back to uh stay at Edoras and fight. Um that would have been the wrong fucking decision. Like that that if you imagine that army attacking from all four sides, it's just like yeah. holy shit, you know what I mean? They they would have been easily overwhelmed, oh, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. Even even with Edoras being perched on that hill, like I guess it's some sort of hill um, or or really small mountain. I think they would have easily stormed stormed that, and yeah, I mean they would have they would have had them cornered. I mean Helm's Deep at least backed into a wall, right? Um, so they had they had their backs covered. Yep. Um, Edoras, I mean, no, they would have just they they would have been toast. They've been fucked. And, and there was a part of me, as much as I love me some Aragorn, that just wanted him to man up and just be like, "You made the right decision." You know what I mean? Like in that bleak moment where everything's falling apart, 
I feel like Aragorn should have stepped up and been like, you know, you did the best you could. This was the right call. I made the wrong call. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know that that bothered me this time uh, for some reason more, even more so than back then when I noticed it. And he has this heroic moment in the third movie, Theoden. But you're right; he doesn't. There's no. There's no part of Two Towers where they're ever like, "You're awesome, Theoden." Yeah. yeah, and every single thing he does is awesome in this movie. And he's one of those characters where it's just like he doesn't get the glory ever. Well, I mean, he's a king, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like, yeah. Like he, from the from the perspective of a viewer, like we'll go into that more in the third movie. But he does some super heroic stuff in the third movie, super noble super sacrificial that you know had a normal human being been in his stance might not have done because you yeah. know he had felt betrayed by gondor we'll we'll get there but anyway love me some theoden yeah i agree he's a great character who's probably easily overlooked not that anyone dislikes him maybe just ambivalent because they they he's there he's he's servicing the story but he, you know he's all he's doing some awesome things that in comparison maybe to like aragorn it's easy to just kind of look past Right, 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 so, right. Yeah. Um, not, a, not a smooth transition, but uh, going back to the wizards, um, one of the big questions I had, just this was just me, um, what do you think Sauron would have eventually done to Sauron? Like, what, what, where was their, their relationship going eventually? Like, surely he would have turned on Sauron or Sauron would have turned on him. I think... They weren't going to work together forever. I want to say Gandalf said something about this in the movie. And maybe I'm misremembering that. But what I think and what I what I, I kind of remember somewhere uh, is that Sauron knew that Saruman was a problem. And he but at the time he didn't have the might to, to stand up to that because Saruman, I mean, didn't he patent the whole Urukai technology? <laughs> yeah, he, he, yes, he so he built his own superior army. Yeah, yeah, so like at that point in the story, I don't know if, how numbers panned out Sauron versus Saruman, but I mean in terms of like quality of soldier, um, yeah, Saruman probably could have turned and marched towards Mordor and taken that over instead. I would think. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine, like, I, I don't know why Saruman chose to keep going. He probably thought men were an easy pickoff and then go to Sauron. He didn't expect it to, it to go out the way it did. But if you're Sauron, I would imagine you're just, you know, you're just kind of sitting back being like, we cool, brah, you know, keep keep doing your thing. And if anything else, you know, him attacking uh, men first would weaken the army, you know, more. Because you got to believe that Sauron is... Not omniscient by any means, but he's clever enough to see through whatever Saruman's doing. You know, you gotta right. believe that. Oh yeah, and that was the that was part of the power of the. I, I, I always struggled with pronunciation, but the 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 seeing eye Palantir. <laughs> yeah, that that was the part of the the aspect of that was that he they thought they were getting something out of it but really sauron was infecting them yes so and i you know sauron probably thought he was he had like a one-up in the back of his mind but sauron always knew i I know that question sort of answers itself but like that's just me thinking out loud where i'm like where are they going with this like they they would have eventually turned on each other oh yeah um, oh yeah and had their own battle their own war like had they had they succeeded at helm's deep or at minas tirith later that that would have been fine and men would have been eradicated but then those two would have battled eventually 
Well, I don't know. Like, I, I got to think, too. Sauron, you know, the great deceiver, in addition to being just a powerful foe, like, he has pulled in allies permanently by domination before. If you think about, like, the, the Ringwraiths. So, I mean, he might, whether he's correct or not, he might be thinking that he can just kind of dominate Saruman and and take that over eventually, you know, too. So, yeah. And he might, he, he very well could be right, you know? So, um, I think Sauron probably was in control of that situation the whole time, even if it didn't feel like it, you know? Had to be. Yeah. Yep. While we're there, this this is my last serious one. Sure, it's, sure. It's sort of tied to what we're talking about with Sauron raising the Urukai and everything. Um, and I, I think this is just, I'm fishing for your opinion, but was Grima's tear at seeing the massive Urukai army, was that like just in awe, like uh, like fear and awe, and it was just so overwhelming? Or did Grima have a, a, a moment of remorse seeing kind of what was about to happen because you know saruman says they'll come daybreak or dawn or whatever there'll there'll be no man or man will not exist or whatever he says um and then grima sheds that that single tear so that always struck me as an awesome moment number one because it's just cool yeah um yeah but then when you get you get a little older or you've seen it a bunch of times i start to think like was that a sympathetic moment for Grima, like he's thinking like, what have I done? Or is it just so beautiful in a fucked up way that he, he sheds that tear? I have honestly never even considered that. It's a good, that's a really good question. Like, I think that you don't get exposed to a lot of Grima's character. You just kind no. of assume he's just this bad shithead, you know? Yeah. Um, I know that I always assumed that was a tear of remorse because I think that's the most logical, quick answer. Right. If you're in the theater, yeah. But I think I like the last thing you said better, which was um, just this is so big and, and destructive and beautiful in a fucked up way. Almost like, you know, Fight Club, the, the buildings all blowing up and falling down, just standing there in awe as you watch kind of the world dissolving around you and you're a part of that. Um, and because of how poorly his character is developed, there's no way to know. I mean, in the yeah. books, he, he actually converts over and becomes a hero. Um, isn't that right? He doesn't, he actually take out Saruman and save the Shire? He does, but, um, he does, and it's been a while since I've read the books, but he does, he does kill Saruman in the books. Um, but I don't know if it come, I think it, part of it does come from a good place, but at that point he's just like so fucked up. Yeah. I think um, I think because of how undeveloped he was in the movie, I think there's really no way to know um, what the yeah. motivation for that tear was. But I I prefer yours, so I'm gonna go with that from now on. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that. I just wanted your perspective on it because that that's just a nice like little like character beat. And yep. you're right, he's so underdeveloped that tear is one of the most you know complex things about his entire character in the in the movie. So right, um, yeah. Yeah, it just it, it's it's always caught my eye, and I always thought that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Here, this is another one that really bothered me in theater. All right, um, so and, and you don't really get the resolution on this till the third movie, so there'll be some spoilers here. Uh, but so when Elrond was talking to Galadriel, and Galadriel's all like, "The quest will claim his life. You know this. You have foreseen it." Even at the time, I hadn't even seen the third movie. I hadn't read the third book. I was like, no, it's not. 
I'm like, he's the fucking hero. He's going to get through. And then because of that stupid line, when I was watching the third movie and they were fighting in Mountain Doom, I was like, well, bro's going to fall in. He's going to die. But he doesn't. And then I'm just like, and then he's all hopping on the bed with the with the hobbits. I'm just like, what what happened? Like, And I get like in a very circuitous way how it ruins his life. Fine. Mm-hmm. But is that is that all that meant? Claim his life? I think that has some clear expectations with that language that just doesn't happen. Man, uh, twofold. I, I'd have two two separate answers to that question. The first would be one you've already said, which is just like metaphorically, symbolically, yes, it changes him in such a way that he'll never have his own like life back. He'll always be marked or marred or scarred in some way. So it, it's affected him on a really, really deep level, so much so that he leaves Middle Earth eventually. Right. Um, spoiler alert there as well, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the other thing would be that there's a lot of things in these movies where they make predictions or they think that there's a prophecy. And this is that's a fantasy trope. Like there's a prophecy, but is that prophecy going to come true? Somebody wise and noble um, will say it often, so you'll think it's true, but then – character will subvert expectations right so that it could be that it may just be a case of um she she really i've seen it it's gonna happen yet they were so resilient they never that, and that's part of the hobbit story throughout the movies is they're so fucking resilient they they again and again surprise everyone so people probably thought yeah he's he's not gonna make it even if he throws the ring in mount doom he's done for um but right. the hobbits keep proving everyone wrong yeah um so it it could either one of it could be either one of those things, and I don't know that I could come down on either side of it. Sure, sure, one hundred percent. Yeah. All right. You got any other any other serious ones? Nothing serious. All my other questions now are assholey questions. Can I ask one more serious question before we yes, get to please. the silly ones? Please. All right. Um. So, and this is a character development thing. When Aragorn was riding off to fight the Ward Riders. Why was there a long lingering look between Aragorn and Eowyn? And, you know, Corrales, if you're listening, I know long lingering has some very special meaning for you. That's not what I'm talking about. This is a long lingering look between Aragorn and Eowyn. Um, From a foreshadowing point, I get why you would do that. But from a character development point, you know, because Aragorn's about to get fucked up or whatever. But from a character development standpoint, was this thing actually ever two-sided? Because... You would get why Eowyn would give that look. Why did Aragorn return it, I guess? Why did he give a shit? You know what I mean? Yeah, and and I made some notes watching this this time that I'd never thought about in the past. Um, I can't definitely say that he was returning it. And it's not just that scene. There are several parts where they it's almost like they want you to think that there's a possibility there. Even right. though we're smart viewers, we know – there's no way right. Aragorn and Arwen are going to reunite eventually. Right. Um, but the movie wants to play up that drama. I don't know if they just thought, like, you know, love triangle is such a common trope. So I don't know if they just thought, let's have a little bit of this in there. Um, but they use it a lot. I feel like there are a couple, it's not just that one. There are several where they're talking to each other and they kind of have that rapport. Um, it obviously it doesn't go anywhere. Um, yeah. but, but they, the movie does like to play it up. And I think, that, you know, that's just like they want to build the tension in that scene. In that scene you're talking about, they want to build the tension. So he gets his heroic sort of slow mo, like I'm off, to, I'm off to war <laughs> shot. You know, like 
looking back. That's a beautiful shot. I love I'm always leaving on right. a jet plane. <laughs> right. That's a great scene. But there it it's I mean they're they're purposely tugging on your like emotional strings right there. Like they sure. want they want you to see that heroic shot. So I made notes of that as well. That's a good catch because I thought this time watching it, like they're they're trying to play it up somewhat, even though we know it's not going to come. Anything's going to come of it. We know absolutely nothing is going to happen between these two. They want you to think it's like they want you to think almost that it that it just might. Right. Yeah. No, I, that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Um, it, it, outside of that one scene, um, if because if you're just looking at that one, yeah, that. I mean, he looks back at her and she looks at him right. like, well, you can't I, interpret that any other way. I felt like there was no, that was the only scene where it felt fully two-sided. Like, I can become an Aragorn apologist and just be like, you know what? All this other stuff was just us not understanding what he was saying and doing. He was being friendly, but not romantic, whatever. But that look that he gave in that scene, to me, was the one defining moment where he's like, he is in it as much as she is. That's at least yeah. the way they portray it. And I, I that was right. weird to me, you know. I think you're right. They they were having their cake and eating it too in that in that one scene. I, I think there there was one or two other ones that struck me when he comes back um and she kind of runs up to him. Obviously she's really happy to see him right. alive. Right. Um and he stands there and lets himself be fawned fond over yeah. like the returning <laughs> hero that he is. Fair enough, you earned it, you fall off a cliff. Um but it, the movie, the movie, you know, there's that background background story going on where he thinks Arwen's leaving. Yeah. So the movie, the movie wants you to think like he's upset Arwen's leaving. Is this a possible love interest for him in the future now? Right. Because we know he's going to be king one day. Right. Right. Um, and 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 if you've never read the books, you've never seen the movies. You're like, oh well, this great love, um, this great love sailing away. He's he's going to be forever alone, sad. Yep. Yep, but he's got this backup <laughs> option. So, so because they have that running thread in the background of the movie, and it's only a couple scenes they cut to it, you're thinking like, okay, Arwen might be gone. Obviously, we we find out that she's not. Does it, do we find that out in the course of the movie that she turned back? Right. I, that I didn't make notes of that, and it, that's all running together. So I, I can't I'm, answer yeah, that. I don't no, remember. I'm, for, I'm yeah. forgetting myself. Um, but. It, we know that happens, but for a while they're building it up as like, well, she's going away. Aragorn, you know, sends her away as he leaves Rivendell. I don't know if that's in the theatrical or the extended. Yeah. I watched the extended. extended. So I, I that got was that extended. Yep. yep. Yeah, I got that scene where he says like, "You should go," and she's like, "Why are you saying this?" And he's like, "It's for the best." Blah blah blah. Uh, it, it's not you. It's me. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't want your ring back. Keep it. Yeah. Right. right. They try to play it up that they're not going to work out. So that that's probably just playing into that a little bit. They want you to keep thinking like, well, his, his real love is gone. And so maybe here's this other option for him. Um, but more than that, I think they just wanted to have an excuse to have like a heroic shot. Like they wanted him to have that like windswept hair, horse turning, slow-mo, looking back like shot. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Man. I, I Consequences get that. Yeah. be damned. They didn't care what you read <laughs> into it. They just wanted that cool ass shot, and they needed to look back at somebody. I feel the poignancy in that shot. Like he looks back, like I'm riding off to war. I'm. This may be the last time I ever see you or these people. Yeah. Um. So they they earned it because it's technically it's beautiful, but narratively it is a cheat. You're right. right. It's a little silly. 
Yeah. All right. All right. You have some silly questions. Okay. Yeah. These are just things that I'm, <laughs> I'm watching and I'm like, why? But my main one um, is how many orgasm faces did Elijah Wood have to make over the course <laughs> of the trilogy? <laughs> and I, there has to be a YouTube video out there where someone has compiled all the orgasm faces <laughs> that Elijah Wood had to make. I'm Googling that tonight. Yeah. Yeah, you That's would think there's got to be like a 10 hours of Elijah Wood orgasm faces out there. And I should have just counted it for this movie, considering <laughs> I was sitting down watching it, and I didn't, and I'm like, why didn't I? Yeah. But just yeah. there are just so many like eye roll back in the head, <laughs> lip curl. I don't need to see your O face anymore, Elijah Wood. <laughs> even though I think you're great, see throughout the trilogy, I'm just like this poor guy. How many sex faces did he have to make? <laughs> right? This was not in my contract. Yeah. That's a very astute observation. I had I had not noticed that specifically. I mean, um, but yeah, he gets his uh, being manipulated by the universe face on a lot, a lot in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, here's here's this one, and this even says this is prefaced with "This might make me a bad person," but dot dot dot. I don't care. Is Morning Eowyn even hotter than Happy Eowyn? <sighs> I'm going to say yes to this. Right? I'm going to say yes to this. <laughs> right? I'm absolutely going to say yes to this. Um, right. Maybe one of her hottest scenes is when she's, uh, yeah, mourning over her cousin in the room and Grima comes in there and, and disturbs her. Like, Yes, she, yes. That was she, where I wrote it, she yeah. Is, she's beautiful, period. Yeah. And we can talk about that more in some general comments <laughs> later because I've always been a huge A1 fan. As I you know. know, I know. But yeah, I, I think you're right. That scene when she comes out to like the castle's front doors and is standing there in like the wind and she looks sad, but that's a majestic shot. Um, and definitely when she's being silly or playing it up, I like her less. Right, right, right. So I right. guess I'm a yeah. bad person too. Well, <laughs> I was like, what does this say about me as a person? Because it's it's a definite thing for me. Like she is beautiful and hot in this scene where she's sad and tearful. And, yeah. and, uh, later on, I'm just, I'm not feeling as much, whatever. Yeah. The scene where she's like laughing with Gimli when right. he's talking about the, uh, dwarf women and yeah. she looks back at Aragorn. That's another scene where they share a look and she's like, <laughs> she's looking back patting <laughs> Gimli's head or whatever. I'm like, I, she, I don't like her as much right there. Right. I'm like, hard no. pass, hard pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but sitting there looking sad I, and that's really poetic. Whatever Grima says is so right. The, right. Uh, right. morning dew clutching to spring or something like that um that's a really apt description i don't it know is. if that's in the books yeah um but that that's a great line because that i don't know miranda otto um the actress or how they dressed her up in this movie anyway she does sort of have that chilly look or um sort of like pale complexion um the blonde hair that you know you feel icy when you're in edoras at first before right. you know gandalf and, and co show up and restore things um yeah that i that I, i've never i never thought that out loud or even internally <laughs> but you're welcome you are totally right <laughs> um what else what was my okay so um what the fuck do you think orcs talk about <laughs> so as they approach the black gate and they show the scene of like the gate like swinging open and closed to let the easterlings in 
there's one really specific orc that's standing there talking to another orc like, oh, God, it's hot out here today, Sam. It is really, really brutal. I am feeling the heat. What about you? Like, he's got that, like, leaned back, like, jovial, like, nature about him. And I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? How's your 401k? What do you think the orcs talk about as they're standing on the black gate, <laughs> opening and closing it, probably one time a month, right? Like, right, yeah. They're letting the Easterlings in in that particular scene, but how often are they opening up the black gate? Not very often. Have you ever watched uh, – oh, this is going to make me sound like a bad person. Don't care. Have you ever watched shows about like super morbidly obese people and you hear what they talk about? I don't. I don't think so. I don't know why, but I feel like it would be kind of the same thing. It would just be like constant – it's hot. Where's my lunch? Uh, and then, like, I'm hungry. And then, uh, you know, I'm tired. Because if you think about the words you heard from the Urukai, the Urukai were actually pretty stoic. They didn't say a lot. But, well, you know, they com- did some complaints when they were running from the, the band at the beginning. But you think about what yeah. they were all talking about. It was basically that stuff. It was like, I'm tired. Food. I'm hungry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, making a stinking bread for three stinking days. You know, so yeah. I would imagine it's basically food, uh, drink, tired, and hot. That'd be okay. my be my bet. Being in a Mordor, yeah. <laughs> okay, I I think I think you're probably right. And that, but that scene just struck me because, and like he's like literally just like chilling with his like friend on the black gate. Like, right. what's up, bub? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> That's funny. I think you're right. Hungry, tired, you know, whatever. Just general. They, anytime they said something in the movies, it was always like nasty or a complaint. So right, right, yeah. One of those base instinct type motivations, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so this one is kind of similar. Just curiosity about the bad guys. Um, I I was thinking about Helm's Deep and how it had been abandoned for who who the fuck knows how long. And I was like, I if I don't go in the basement once a week, I get cobwebs. So it made me wonder. I was like, why the fuck doesn't Helm's Deep just become like a giant Shelob's lair or a Mines of Moria where there's just like crazy bad guys running around what is it about helms deep that is makes it this like secure vacation home for for the rohirrim you know what i mean like that, that's true yeah and there's caves too so yes. that anything anything could easily enter in from the caves that exactly sort of mountain pass that they talk about that's in the back because there's there's like good, i don't know that world seems like a world where there's just bad shit crawling around everywhere you know what mm-hmm. i mean so uh, yeah, that that was that was uh, one of the ones I was wondering. Why wasn't Helm's Deep this giant mess of baddies when they got back? The only thing I could think would be um, that maybe it's never completely deserted, or periodically people check in on it. Um, like I'm thinking about like Game of Thrones, like the Wall. They have their main castle, Castle Black, at the Wall. Do you watch Game of Thrones? I or don't. Read Game of Thrones? I don't. I feel like I would probably like it based on what I've heard. Yeah, I think you would. Absolutely. Um, basically, there's a giant wall that protects um, the kingdom, blah, 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 whatever. Um, but there are some outposts that are a little less uh, frequented or inhabited, um, but they have like token like crew that hangs out there and guards it, but no action ever happens there. So, right. so maybe they just have something like that where periodically they have like some Rohirrim that go out there check it out, set up camp there for like a week and then go to their next spot that they're patrolling or whatever. Um, that, that 
that they might address that in, in the books or something. I don't, I don't know. Right. But, um, yeah. That'd be my guess. Cause you're right. You couldn't leave like Helms deep unattended for <laughs> however long and just expect you'd go back and everything would be okay. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's gotta be guarded by somebody. If not like always, then at least like every now and then like right. some row here are checking up on it. Right. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this is my last question. I got Uh, one more too. Perfect. Overall, um, how the fuck does Sauron get anything done? Because the orcs are the most fucking inept, (laughs) like, henchmen that have ever existed in any kind of, like, literary um, (laughs) capacity, book, movie, whatever. Like, they suck. And I'm just thinking, like, how did he accomplish – once he died and and became the eye or just the essence, um, how did anything get done on his end? Because they suck. Right. They're idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I got nothing. That's a great question. They're complete idiots. And I just struck me. I'm like, how did how does anything get done in Mordor or across Middle Earth? Because these guys are losers. Right. Like they're dispatched so easily by everybody they come in contact with, and, and each other. Yeah, and each other. Yeah. So it's just like I, I don't. I, his army is non-threatening. The sheer enormity of it. Maybe when you see it in the Return of the King, that that's a lot of people. Like cave trolls are, are huge and, and can be devastating um and then he has he has evil men too and they're, they're maybe more a little uh, intellectually sound but the orcs <laughs> are just fucking stupid now i want there to be a cooking show with sauron where he has his little orcs trying to make a fucking i don't know ham sandwich even <laughs> like could they do it i don't think they could i'm not sure they could do they even know how to work a toaster <laughs> Can they spread uh, mayonnaise on bread? I think they fell at that too. <laughs> That's pretty funny. This isn't necessarily a question, but I put it in this section because I had no other place to put it. It was the okay, so the moment I'm gonna put you in the moment. And I literally wrote, and then Earnshaw pauses the movie to go jack off. Pause, pause, pause for effect. <laughs> and we're back. All right. <laughs> Love you some Awen. Totally fair. I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. <laughs> That's all you got. I'm excited thinking about her just sitting here right now. <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. I mean, I wrote her name. Okay, in my general notes, I wrote her name in bi- really big letters with two hearts around it. So Nice. Nicely done. Go. Nicely done. <laughs> and then I wrote freckles, hair. So beautiful. Uh- <laughs> All right, the next category I got is new discoveries. You ready to go into, you know, things that we might have learned this go around um, that we didn't notice or didn't appreciate in the past. You ready? Let's do it. What's totals, Brussels? What's totals, huh? Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. So the first thing that I saw, which... um. And I saw this in the first one too. I just didn't I don't know if we talked about it or not. I don't actually remember. But the the movie style, the close-ups, the zoom into face shots, the um Elijah Wood orgasm shots. If you think about from an acting perspective, that's a very demanding thing. And I remember thinking about uh if did you watch The Fountain? I, I did. Yeah, I love the fountain. Yeah, we've talked about that before. We should watch that one sometime too. But yes. um there's that one scene in that movie, The Fountain, where it zooms in on his face close up 
and shows his absolute sorrow right after his wife died. And I feel like that was a um, very demanding scene on on him as an actor. And that was the only scene that I remember that was like that in that movie. But if you think about Lord of the Rings, where it zooms in on their face to show grief or sadness or fear or whatever it is, it's like every five minutes. And I love it. So as as an audience member, I think it's it's awesome. I love that tapping into the emotion of the actors, but as a, you know, I guess a manager, <laughs> uh, my brain is thinking this has got to be taxing and demanding. And is this why we don't see that in other movies? Because I think it's awesome. Good observation. Uh, Cause it just, I mean, yeah, there, there are a ton of, there are a ton of scenes. Every character has a scene like that. Yeah. Even just in this movie, let alone the trilogy. Um, Hell, in this movie alone, I think Aragorn probably had like nine or ten of those kinds of scenes. Um, yeah, I feel like people always say like, oh, I'd love to be an actor. But like shit like that would be tough because right, I right. don't cry in real life hardly ever. Yeah. So on cue, I can't imagine doing having to do that, having to show like anguish on my face. And there are so many scenes that you're right, just close up like – I'm thinking like like right now in my head, Faramir talking about Boromir. They kind of like slowly zoom in from like a, an upward angle, looking at him. Like I guess from the Hobbit's perspective, and yep. you know he looks really fucking sad. Yep, yep. Um, there are a lot of scenes like that in, in the movie, but they're full of talented actors that that pull them off. I think the the casting for Lord of the Rings is was fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, they they nailed it. I I don't know if there's a week. I don't know if there's a weak player in the whole set. No, no, I don't think so either. All right, what you got? So one thing, and I hope I can articulate this to do it justice, but one thing that really stood out to me was that maybe when I was younger and I'm just sort of wrapped up in the story, I'm not appreciating all of the the nuances and the severity of the stakes and, and the, the situation that they're in. And I wrote down just the warping of Theoden as an example. But if you really think about it, like the severity of that magic is so fucking dark and intense. And Sauron wasn't even there. Sauron wasn't even there. It was an extension of Sauron, Grima Wormtongue, poisoning his mind. And just to think about him wasting away in Edoras while the world is sort of like in turmoil around him, his son's out on the battlefield dying. You know, his nephew's being banished or whatever, um, and Grim is running the castle. It, that struck me this time, and I just thought that was so cool. Like you, you, you get wrapped up in a, in a fantasy story because it, there's lots of things happening. There's fighting, good versus evil, those those typical classic tropes that we love. Um, but when you, if you just sit down and think about some of the stuff that has to happen to get you to those good versus evil points, it's like, whoa how long did Grima work on Theoden? Like how long did he like poison his mind? Right. He's awful when they stumble upon him and, and enter us when they, when they come up there and they, they see him for the first time. I mean, he looks really bad. Um, I don't know that just, I really appreciated that. I really just thought about like, man, the magic at work and the universe of middle earth can be really, really dark. I'd never thought about this until you brought this up just now, but it almost reminds me of the way in the real world, things like addiction or or things like, you know, maybe some some mental illness or some disease can affect you. And the the Gandalf and the Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, um, 
you'd call that an intervention, right? They come in and they snap him back to his old self because you're right. It was dark magic, but it had to have been this slow, gradual withering away. And Theoden wasn't this weak character. He wasn't this like, and you, you learn this as you, as he develops, he wasn't this shitty, shitty person that deserved to be manipulated or, or was easily manipulated. He was this strong, proud, incredibly tough badass. And the fact that he of all people was the one to be brought down to this like withering, dying husk of a man. I mean, that's that you're right. That's, that's insanely powerful. And that's cool. That's, that's moving. Just thinking about what's into to making the Urukai also is just like, I mean, it's dark. They're cutting down the trees. They're birthing them in some really fucked up way that I don't even understand. Yeah. Uh, but the magic at play in Middle Earth, like you could read a whole book just on the life of the wizards um, and the trials and tribulations and the things that they go through and the kind of power that they possess because it feels really really strong and runs really really deep right yeah totally and you're seeing that on a on a big scale because you can see what they can do but you know maybe when you're younger you're just you're appreciating the battle scenes more like he created this army and now they're fighting the good army um but when you sit down and and really think about like well how did they do how did he do it how did he build this army and it looks really really fucked up i don't know it just made me feel a certain way like jesus yeah yeah sure like the good guys are good, but the bad guys are bad. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty epically bad. I agree. They did a good job with them. Um, this is kind of a silly one here. Uh, this was just my stream of consciousness, my drunken stream of consciousness as I was watching when the uh, Urukai are being tracked. I wrote, changes in my perception of these characters. Pippin is really manning up. Aragorn is the shit. Legolas is a suck up. Gimli is fucking useless. And I was like, <laughs> I remember always thinking that, you know, we had talked about this before, that the hobbits were just these like shitty little uh, annoying characters that, that didn't do much. But then I was thinking about Pippin um, through that whole tracking scene and how, you know, even then he, he was one of the hobbits being a badass and he was manning up. And I was watching Aragorn track and I was like, he's the shit. But Legolas just pissed me off. I was just like, <laughs> it's like teacher's pet sort of thing to Aragorn and Kim Lee was just like I'm fucking tired slow and short and useless <laughs> oh I don't know that was my big discovery <laughs> I can um relate to that because one of the first like in my general section one of the first things I wrote down was and this is their first scene I wrote Aragorn already being a badass yes you just know he's about to fuck someone up like they're on the trail of the Urukai like he is going to make someone pay for this right um, <laughs> and then I have shut up Legolas written right below that <laughs> that's the very next thing I wrote so I'm I'm with you on that for sure. that's funny um, and I didn't write this but you're right I, I didn't write anything about Pippin but you're absolutely right um I mean, he, he, he kills it throughout that because it's really him. That's like, wake up, Mary, yep. let's figure out what's going on. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's him that bites his, yep. uh, pendant off and yep. spits it on the ground. Yep. Um, so, so good on him for right. sure. He, he definitely pulled his weight uh, in that one after being pretty much the, the main fuck up of the first movie. Yes. And I think that's why it was such a big change for me because he was the, of all the hobbits he was the most shitty you know like he was the one that did the most dumb annoying childlike prohibitive to moving forward type behavior so it was it was totally manning up for him yeah 
let's see. This is uh, probably minor and really obvious, and I know I thought it at the time, but rewatching, and I think it's worth saying again. But Rohan is absolutely gorgeous, and I thought because I was such a Boromir fan um, growing up, oh, I I want to live in like Minas Tirith. I want to be in the capital of men. Like I want to be there. But watching Two Towers this time, I thought. I think I'd rather live somewhere in Rohan because it's just like Awen. it's just it's epic. Well, Awen's there. Yeah. Right. right. You're you're right. <laughs> I would be closer to her. Um spatially, I the closer I am, the better shot I have for That's sure. Right. That's um, right. that you want to be near someone when you like them, you're right. There you go. I'm there not a st- I'm not a stalker. I'm not a stalker. <laughs> um but it, I mean it's beautiful. It's just it's just a beautiful it, all the shots of Eterus the surrounding area. I mean, it's golden. Yeah. It, it really they is. shoot it the right way. It's windswept. It pops on the screen. It's like a gorgeous piece of middle earth. Yeah, totally. No, I agree. I agree. This is a, a bit of a, this is something, this is something that really pissed me off, man. Like, and maybe it's because when I watched in 2002, I was a bachelor with no concerns or care or cares, but that scene where the mother puts her kids on the horse and is like, you'll ride faster with just two. Man, that is some bullshit. Like, and now that I am a parent, it's that whole scene is just fucked up for so many reasons. And I think it affected me in a way that it never did before because it's, I mean, you know, I'm all about sacrifice for your kids, like, like doing what you can to protect your kids totally. But there's a difference between a Bormir type sacrifice and like, Hey kids, I'm going to send you out alone as little babies on a horse with a big fucking army attacking you. I mean, when I saw that, I was just like, what the fuck? The older kid was what? He had to have been like eight, maybe, nine, or, maybe. Nine? You're being generous, maybe. And then, <laughs> and then, like, you see them right up, and I'm like, oh, who are they joining? Oh, other families with less shitty parents. That's who they're joining. Like, people that are escaping <laughs> together. That was such, ah, so fucking annoying. That never made sense to me, because you're right. I, I think... Um, the girl is small enough that maybe all three of them could have fit on the horse and oh, yeah. not really been that slow. Yeah. Um, that seemed possible. And yeah. the mom meets up with them later anyway. It, yeah, so it's like, what true. was the point of that? Yeah. Ah, they wanted to tug yeah. on your heartstrings in that moment. I'm going to traumatize my kids for a couple of weeks. It's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm an awesome parent. Yeah. And then nothing comes of it. So it's just <laughs> like, oh, okay. You, you got us, Peter Jackson. We, we felt, we felt sad for a moment. <laughs> got him. Um, my last new discovery, and I don't even know if this is a new discovery because I did feel this way at the time, but maybe not to the extent that I do now, um, having some years to pour over it and appreciate it more. But Faramir is a really, really, really good character. And I don't think he gets his due. I think he's another person, like you mentioned like with Theoden, that sort of gets lost in the shuffle because you have all these other characters and you probably tend to stick with the ones that are introduced to you first. So the original, the Fellowship themselves, most people are going to say that one of those people are going to be their favorite characters, me included. You know, I love Boromir. But Faramir is a great character. And even though they tried to switch him up in the movie from the book and have him be a little bit more hardened and uh they take that detour into Ascaliath and he doesn't even really get to be that awesome until the third movie where you get to see even more of him even in the second movie i could see like this guy's a cool character like he's a good guy he's trying to do what's right you know his dad's a friggin' douche 
uh, <laughs> douche Magoo, but right. he's doing everything he can to like hold it together for Gondor. And um, he makes the right decision in the end. Again, that's something they changed for the movie to to draw out the tension, I guess, to kind of have that like third act where Sam could say his line and Faramir could be like, okay, I'll let you guys go after all. Um, but he's a really good character that I think gets overlooked, even into the third one. So when he does cool stuff in the third one, I think it's like, oh, Faramir wrote out to show that he could be the man his dad wanted him to be. And then after that, I think he's forgotten because he's like recovering. And that's in the extended edition that you get to see him like recovering, bonding with Eowyn or whatever. But right. he's a great character that I think more people should appreciate. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. All right. I had a few more. I'm going to cut this down though. This one. So they try to even out the fellowship throughout the movie. To make them all very badass, you know, equally badass, best they can. But I'm not buying it. Like, Legolas is leaps and bounds above everybody else. If nothing else, because he's an archer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I see, you know, when you see him actually in his scenes, he's killing like 10 people per second. Like, he is just fucking annihilating. And, you know, Gimli is just like this weird little midget wrestler out there that's like poking somebody with an axe and then they fly like 20 feet comically in a way that is kind of like eh. yeah but then like this is something i was realizing was that it only made sense in this sort of like rap music video way where you're only dancing for two seconds at a time so no one's actually dancing type thing in a full battle legolas would have killed thousands of people oh and yeah gimli would have killed like 12 and they're doing that count where Gimli wins by one or whatever. And I'm just like, right. literally, unless Legolas went all, you know, tortoise and hare and went and took a nap or something, there's literally, literally no way that could have happened. It's just completely impossible. So, I also made a note of that in my general notes. And I oh, just yeah. said, like, not possible. I wrote that in big <laughs> because, yeah. You, yeah, you're right. Legolas is a fucking killing machine. And Gimli is also skilled as a warrior, but he moves a lot slower. He he has his axe. He has to like drive into someone, then pull out, and just the time it takes for him to do that, Legolas could have shot like five arrows in between the eyes. And what they lead you to believe about Legolas is that he like, you know, if he aims to kill, he's gonna kill. Right. So I, I don't like that scene either, where where Gimli wins by one where it, it they're just trying to do something cutesy, but you're just like, no, you didn't. <laughs> There's literally no way. <laughs> no, you didn't. And uh, the last thing I'll put in here, this is from the Helm's deep battle. Um, and this kind of like tweaked in my brain in a weird way that made me actually go research it online. And there's a lot of discussion about this online. And my exact notes were the suicide bomber in Helm's deep two towers the year was 2002, and then I wrote Illuminati. <laughs> like, you know, this is one year after the, the, the World Trade Center attack. Two Towers, Suicide Bomber, in the Lord of the Rings movie. Um, and then, you know, Theoden's talking about all this. He calls it such reckless hate. What can man do against such reckless hate? And for some reason, I didn't pick up on this back in the day, but I was thinking... Was this supposed to be like a, a response to kind of the way the world was feeling at the time? Because – and I'm going to preface it with this. I know that The Two Towers was not made for the movie. So there's no way the title could have been um, indicative of that. But I was wondering if some of the liberties that they took 
just with the suicide bomber and the such reckless hate because I don't know exactly what was in the books. I didn't know if some of the liberties they took tried to kind of feed off of the environment. Uh, and maybe with filming schedule, what I'm even suggesting was impossible. I, I don't actually know. But just a curiosity of mine. And people online have kind of caught on to that as well and were curious too. Um, I would say probably that to use a Lord of the Rings term was welcome happenstance because <laughs> the movies were shot at the same time, right? They were all filmed at the same time. And it was in like 1999. Oh, really? Okay. Um, into 2000, I think. Um, so it would have been before the September 11th happened. Yeah. So unless they purposely went back and tweaked like that one scene, um, that just that was just a coincidence, yeah. happenstance. Well, there you go, Reddit. Send all your hate mail to Earnshaw at 1068podcast.gmail.com. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> all right. So, you know, you had to have seen this coming to an extent, right? We did, we did an episode, and I had, a, I had a little special quiz for you. So you had to assume there was going to be another quiz. Did you assume there would be another quiz? I expected it. Nice. Are you ready for your quiz? I hope I can pass. <laughs> we are in store for the second uh, annual second Lord of the Rings or porn quiz. All right. Same concept as before, but one little difference. Last time, all right, last time I did all the voice work in uh, porn voices to porn music. So I thought this time, to be fair, right, I should do all of the uh, voice work in Lord of the Rings voices to Lord of the Rings music. This could be tougher. I think it is. I really do. I think it's a little tougher. And I think it would be really tough for people that haven't uh, seen the movies. But um, the concept being, you know, I figured that if I had actually taken a Lord of the Rings quote that was a real Lord of the Rings quote and put it to music that was in that scene and done the voice work myself, it would probably trigger stuff. So I had to change... For the ones that were actually Lord of the Rings, I had to change who was saying it. So uh, that there's a weird little shuffle going on. You'll probably you'll probably figure it out. But uh, okay, you ready to give it a shot? I'm ready. All right, I got my Guinness. I'm pouring a Guinness for this because I'm so excited. I was excited. wondering what you were drinking. I was going to ask. I have been doing uh, non-thematic. I wish I could have found like you know uh, Hobbit's Pale or something, but or or Green Dragon Flagon. But I was drinking a uh, uh, Double Trouble which is a, a double IPA, and then I was drinking a dogfish head. Now I'm going to drink okay. a Guinness in celebration of this fantastic effort for Earnshaw to not lose. Now here's the deal. This time, this year, I'm going to do a control on Corrales, who has also never seen the movies. But I haven't gotten to do that yet, so you're going to get to go first, and then you'll hear, okay. you'll hear his results later. So, you okay. know, um, while we're here... I mean, do you want to talk some trash? Like, what happens if you win? Like, if you beat Corrales... Uh, what does that mean, you know? I wish I could quote Gandalf after he defeats the Balrog, but I'm just going to smote his ass from the mountainside. <laughs> um, Beautiful. He doesn't say that exactly, but you, you get the drift. No, I like it. I'm a big fan of what just happened. All right. Question number one. Is this quote from Lord of the Rings or porn? Mr. Wiggles is going to spit all over you. So, Lord of the Rings or porn? I don't recall there being a character named Mr. Wiggles in Lord <laughs> of the Rings, so I'm going to go porn. <laughs> You're correct. 
that's one point. Okay. Uh, question that number. That sounds th- like something Tom Bombadil would get up to if you've ever read the books, but uh, <laughs> was not in the movies. It was not, no. Uh, question number two Lord of the Rings or porn? How would you like it if your balls were in your ears? Men? That way I could hear myself coming. Lord of the Rings are porn. <laughs> the innuendo there just has to be porn. <laughs> it does. They laid it on too thick. You like my Eowyn Grima Wormtongue dialogue there? Yeah. yeah. I did. <laughs> did you voice that personally? Oh, yeah. That's all me. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> Question number three. Lord of the Rings or porn? It works hard now to find its way back into the hands of men. Men who are so easily seduced. That is definitely Lord of the Rings. Putting a whole new light though, right? Yeah. yeah. It is. It, I, I'm thinking about it in porn context, but I know it's from Lord of the Rings. There you go. Well done. Three for three. Lord of the Rings or porn? Question number four. Can you see the bottom? No. Don't look down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. That is brilliant. Um, (laughs) I think it's from Lord of the... I'm going to go Lord of the Rings. That's a tough one. That might be the hardest one from either of the two times we've done this so far. Um, I'm going to go Lord of the Rings from the Dead Marshes scene. Yep, you're correct. You're correct. I even put the little, like, slightly homosexual little laugh between Aragorn and Gandalf. Yeah. You got it. You saw through my little trickery. Uh, Four for four. Uh, Question number five, Lord of the Rings or porn? It makes me feel tingly all over and then nothing. There should be bells ringing, dams bursting, bombs going off. Lord of the Rings are porn. I'm going to go porn only because I don't think anyone in Middle Earth ever says the word tingling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're good. You're correct. Yeah. That was porn. That was porn. Totally could have been a Saruman quote, though. Totally. It, it, it did. And I, I felt the bombasticness of the voice that you used there. Yeah. So that did throw me for a second. <laughs> well done. I feel tingling when I, when I look at Eowyn, but uh, I don't think right. anyone in Lord of the Rings says that. Any bells going off? Dams bursting. Tons of dams bursting. Question number six Lord of the Rings of Porn. There's another way. More secret. A dark way. Lord of the Rings of <laughs> Porn. Oh my god. I want it to be porn, but it's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's actually uh, a line in the Lord of the Rings porn parody. It has to be. It's got to be, right? All right, question number seven, Lord of the Rings or porn. My hand was wrapped around my royal penis. Well, that one's porn. <laughs> yeah. That was, one of, that was one of the favorite porn quotes I found. I was like, what? that was a that was that's in the extended extended edition of right. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, when Grima had him, he was just kind of sitting there with his hand around his dick. I mean, you that, know, that's true. I fact, was thinking of Theoden when I was listening to that. That was quote. the point. Yes, yes. All right, question number eight. 
This is no dream, baby. This is happening. <laughs> gotta, gotta be porn. Yeah, it's porn. <laughs> I want all of these to be in Lord of the Rings, but that, that's porn, unfortunately. <laughs> You're correct. All right, question number nine. Trust Master. Come! Lord of the Rings or porn? I believe it's Lord of the Rings. That one's tough. It was tough, wasn't it? And you're correct. Do you know where it was from? Uh, Gollum coaxing Frodo to follow him, uh, I'm assuming. The master part. Yep, yep, you're right. Yeah, it was when uh, when uh, they were at the Forbidden Pools. Yeah, Frodo was trying to okay. get Gollum out. Yep. All right, well done. Nine for nine. Question number 10. There's 20 of these, by the way. Hope you're, hope you're Jeez. ready. Yeah, I, I, I got busy this uh, this time. Question number 10. Yes, baby, I'm uncut. <laughs> you gotta be porn. It is porn. I was hoping that might get you like, did Gimli ever say that anywhere? No. <laughs> None of the people in Lord of the Rings are circumcised, but um, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's porn. <laughs> You're correct. Question number 11. Think a moment, Alice. Larger things have come out. Then what is about to go in? Wow, that's tough too. That that feels that's not ringing a bell in terms of the movie dialogue. So I, I'm gonna go porn by default. Yeah, you're right. Treebeard would have to talk about larger things going out than yeah. what was about to go in. Yeah, sounds like a Treebeard kind of problem. I also tune him out. <laughs> right. That could also be a problem. Oh, so I might get you with the other one. Good. All right. Good to know. All right. Question number 12, Lord of the Rings or porn? What is it? What do you smell? Man flesh. That one's definitely Lord of the Rings. It is Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well done. When they're escaping Aragorn and them and Aragorn and them are uh, closing in on them. Well done. Well they done. smell man flesh. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. All right, 13, Lord of the Rings are porn. I'm going to pop that back wall. I think it's porn because I don't recognize it from anything else. But I'm. what did he say? I'm going to pop that. I'm going to pop that back wall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's got to be porn. <laughs> it's porn. Uh, question 14 Lord of the Rings are bored are you ready for my torpedo <laughs> there are no torpedoes in Middle Earth that I'm aware of not even so Legolas go... not even Legolas porn right yeah question 14 was born so question 15 Lord of the Rings are porn hold them how long do you need as long as you can give me I think that's Lord of the Rings, but I'm but I'm I'm failing to recall the scene that that's from. Going Lord of the Rings. It is Lord of the Rings, and that's when they're they're being pretty much like overtaken at Helm's Deep. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Yep. All right, fifteen for fifteen. It's a perfect record. All right, question sixteen. The word of Helm Hammerhand shall sound in the deep. What? Last time. Definitely Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that was a gimme. That was a gimme. All right, question 17. 
Give it to us raw and wriggling. <laughs> oh my god. That's in that's in the Lord of the Rings porn parody. It absolutely has to be, but that that's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it is Lord of the Rings. Well that done. Is ab- if they didn't use that in a porn parody, then the person that made the porn parody needs to be fired. Is right. that 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 scene wrote itself just now. <laughs> Oh, uh, well done. <laughs> All right, uh, 17 for 17. Here's number 18. Where is he? He fell. Uh, Lord, of, Lord of the Rings. Uh, when Eowyn wonders where Aragorn's at. You're right. Spot on. You got it. All right. Two more to get your perfect record. Let's see if you can do it. Number 19, Lord of the Rings or porn? Yeah! Let me go in here it comes, baby. There it is. Doing damage, baby. It's doing damage. I want it to be Lord of the Rings because I I want the, an Urukai to have said this to an orc at some point. <laughs> Here it comes, baby. But uh, but I don't remember anyone saying ba- baby either in in Lord of the Rings. So I got to go porn. Oh, you call him the baby language. Well done. Yeah, you're correct. And the final question for the perfect record: Lord of the Rings or porn? What's for dinner? I got a third burger for you. Eat this. <laughs> Lord of the Rings are porn. <laughs> I think it's porn. It feels like a combination of the two because I feel like Gollum <laughs> says, What's for dinner, precious? Um, but it, it goes in a very different direction in the Lord of the Rings. I'm going to go porn. You're correct. Well done, sir. You aced it. 20 for 20. Uh, perfect score on the Lord of the Rings porn quiz. Well done. Thank you. Gosh, when you've seen the movie so many times, you know the dialogue like the back of your hand. Though. You do. You do. Yeah. So what do you think overall? Because you, you got a perfect score on the real questions last time, too. Was it harder this way or easier? I think it was harder this way. Yeah? yeah I think with the background music, this time in particular, those those Rohan themes, um, <laughs> that made it a little bit tougher for sure. Tried to trick you. I like it. That's yeah, you cool. Had a, you had a couple trickier ones this time. <laughs> well done. All right. Well, well done, sir. You you clearly know your uh your your porn. Yeah. That's what I said last time. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to move into praise for Lord of the Rings? Let's do it. I suppose the view would be quite nice from up there. Oh yes. It's a quality establishment. I hear the staff are very good. All right. So what? Praise for this movie that uh, really um, stood out, stood out, uh, made you want to say something. For me, the first thing that really struck me about this movie, we had talked about it before, was the intro music and the cinematography. Like, it, that was so awesome. Yeah. Um, the music and the scenery pulled me right back into where I was at the end of one, seamlessly flawless. And I feel like sometimes when a movie tries really hard in the beginning to, like, pull you in... It seems like cheesy or forced or fabricated, and you're like, I'm smart. I'm a smart viewer. I'm not falling for this, but not here. Like, immediately, I was just back. And um, we had talked about how it had been like six or seven years since I had seen the first movie. It had been a lot longer for this one. And even still, immediately, I was back into it. That intro scene to me was just so powerful and so effortless. Five stars. Could not give enough praise for that intro scene. Yeah, um, in the praise category, that's my first thought. Um, even though I couldn't remember how the movie opened up, 
as soon as it, it did and it hit me, I was like, here we go. The opening shot is nondescript. It's snowy mountains. And I was just like, huh? I didn't even remember that. But I mean, it was like two seconds. And then I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. And the entirety from there until Frodo snaps too, I think, yeah, I mean, you said it. It's just, it's a really, really, really good opening scene. It's an interesting way to, to bring us back to the world because that's probably what happened, but the way they cut it, it makes it look like Frodo sort of snaps too after dreaming or thinking about it. But detailing something that happened in the last movie like that we didn't get to see, but Gandalf falling through that chasm and, and fighting the Balrog, that's a badass scene. I mean, the fight is awesome. The special effects in that scene really hold up. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. It's a very, very cool opening scene. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because that, it just, that, that blew me away. Um, if we're kind of sort of going chronologically, the next thing that I wanted to make a point to praise, and I sort of did this with Faramir, um, and you, but you could say the same thing about this character, but Aomer was underutilized. And if I'm not mistaken, again, not having read the books in a while, he, he wasn't sent away in the same manner that he is in the movie to sort of build that tension so that you can have that last act heroics. Yeah. And that's fine in terms of storytelling because you get the big like they've returned triumphant scene, but you lose Carl Urban who – Urban or Urban, um, however you pronounce his name, but he he's fucking awesome. If you've seen any movie he's ever been in, he's such a good part of the movie, and to know that he could have been in more of this one, but he's absent for – I don't know what three-fourths of it majority yeah yeah i mean he's there at the beginning a little bit he's there and he's there at the end and that's it um and even in return of the king he doesn't have a lot to do which is a shame because he's a great character the actor's really good and even the few scenes that aomer is in in the two towers he's a badass he's awesome yeah um so big ups to aomer um you deserved better than you got throughout the course of the series yeah, I, I had a note later that kind of ties into that, which was just that, you know, at Helm's Deep, when the Rahiram showed up, it gave me the chills. Like even now, when they show up to save the day, and that wasn't just the special effects and the horses. I mean, it was Aemer. It was his presence. It was him popping yeah. up and giving that little one-liner, badass one-liner comment and jumping in and saving the day. You're right. He's total badass, total awesome. Totally agree. I wish that that'd be a character that could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Um just I think there's a lot to do there, and unless you read the books and and you're big into it, you'll never really get to appreciate the nuances of of how cool of a character um, he is. And it does have a large part to do with the actor. I think, like I said, I'm partial to that actor, and he's been in lots of good stuff. Um, but the character too, the character is just very cool. Sure, sure. Um, the next one that I had was kind of a tie into last podcast we did. We had a lot of complaints, which I think were justified about. Gollum CGI and mm-hmm. kind of um, how bad that was on a scale of some of the other things that they did. For me, in this one, the CGI Gollum looked much, 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 much better. And, Way better. Yeah. And in some parts, even awesome. And I would kind of talked about the parts where I thought it was cheesy, but it was still, from a CGI perspective, it was impressive, you know? Um, even if I wasn't a big fan of the, the kind of preying on the low-hanging comedic fruit, I was still impressed by the CGI quality this time around. Um, And he was a part of the world. He was not just this pasted-in thing. 
he was a living, breathing, moving agent. And it was very, very, very different and awesome. And I, and I read this as I was prepping to do this with you again, and maybe I'd seen this in the past, but the Gollum that they digitally did for the first movie in those scenes was completely different for what they came up with and how they approached it in the second movie. And I know that Andy Serkis and the, the motion capture thing is a big part of that. I don't know the specifics of it, but the approach was a lot different than they took in the first movie. I can't remember what they were going to do originally, but it was that Andy Serkis was so good that Peter Jackson was like, we need to do it this way. We need right. to, we need to uh, get him into the film, his essence into the film, because he's he's inhabited this character so well, he's completely brought him to life. So, yeah, I don't know what the original intention was for the two towers, but but it, it, it did change once once they saw what what Andy Serkis was capable of. Oh, hell yeah. And props to him because he he did do it. He did do an awesome job. I didn't. I, that's not in my praise section. I think I take that for granted. But he makes that character. If it would have been a digital recreation, I would have probably hated Gollum even more. But what little sympathy <laughs> or or pathos that that is in the role is is certainly down to to Andy Serkis's doing. I would say. Sure. Uh, this was one of my favorite things in this movie: the dragon. Wraith that was hunting Frodo in the Dead Marshes, the the Ring Wraith that was riding that dragon or whatever it was called. Mm -hmm. The audio in that scene it cuts from an on the ground perspective as the camera like shoots up into the sky to look down. The audio also shoots from an on the ground sort of ambient noise to this like up in the sky airborne perspective noise, and you hear the whoosh of the wings. And when I saw that, I was just like, oh, that is so cool. And I don't know if I appreciated this enough, you know, 16 years ago, but I was just thinking the way they adjusted those background ambient noises, like the wind, the tree branches, all into this sort of like up in the air, downward view of this giant beast in the sky. I was like, man, that was well done. That was very well done from a, from someone who like really listens to the audio details. <laughs> that was awesome. It was just really well played. And I don't know if I would, like noticed it or picked up on it on that particular scene that you're recalling. But I mean, yeah, you could say that about so much of the films, all the technical aspects are really good. I mean, they went out of their way and did an awesome job up and down, like the cinematography, the location scouting, but then the sound mixing and the effects noises that they chose. Yeah. You're spot on with that for sure. All right. What else you got? This is a simple one, but this is a great line um, when Faramir says, what are you as bodyguard? And, and Sam says, is gardener. Um, <laughs> I wrote that down because that's so good. And, and I wasn't always a Sam fan throughout the trilogy. Yeah. But that is a great line. Yeah. Delivered perfectly. <laughs> well done, Sean. Right. Yeah. I like that. The next one that I had here, and maybe this is part of getting older, but man, they had been grieving over the tomb of his son. Like with Gandalf and Theoden only, that was such a powerful scene. That hit me harder than it did 16 years ago for sure. And I was just looking at it and I watched it several times. I kept backing it up because I was like, man, this is good acting. This is good cinematography. The music is on point. Incredibly powerful scene. The grief that they want you to feel is palpable. And it's just, it's so well done. Lord of the Rings is beautiful to look at, but there's not that like purposely artful shot always but in that scene that you're referencing like it starts with the flower in front of the tomb yeah cymbeline yep 
So, I mean, that's like centered perfectly in frame. Um, so they even start that scene on a technical level, like beautifully. Yeah, it was on point. That is a good scene. You're right. I don't like the extended cut where then they have Eowyn singing. Um, I'm glad they did leave that out of the theatrical. Yeah. But up to that point before she starts singing that, yeah, you're right. That That's an awesome scene. You get more of that morning Eowyn action though you know you get a little you're right the, the sad she does look good in that like dark garb <laughs> like old headband around yeah all right i'm not even going there, I'm not even going there. <laughs> um this will tie into sort of my next praise but um all the rohan stuff is the best stuff it really is maybe that's the point of the movie or everyone feels that way so maybe i'm saying a no duh type statement but of the three threads so you're following mary and pippin you're following Frodo and Sam, and then you've got Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, and Rohan, and doing the, the Rohan stuff. I think the Rohan stuff is the best stuff in the movie. There's good stuff in everybody's threads, but of the three, I was most interested in that back then, and then rewatching it this time. Those were also the plots that I cared about the most, like what's happening in Rohan. There's so many interesting characters there, and I get the point of the other things. like They slow the movie down a bit. Um, you need that time to reflect. It can't just be all action and, and tension and preparing for a war and stuff. But um, the Rowan stuff is my favorite part of the two towers. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it just gelled in the same way that in the first movie, the music from the Shire, it's implanted in your brain if you're a fan of the series. And mm-hmm. the Shire was a powerful place, with powerful music and beautiful scenery. Rohan is that of the second movie. There's no question. I mean, that violin music in the background, the scenery. You already talked about Edoras. I mean, it's an incredible setting, incredible place, well-filmed, um, good CGI, good music. It's the complete package for this movie. One that I really wanted to get in here, man. At the end of this movie, Sam's speech, I just put so fucking good. I was like, so, period, fucking, period, good, period. And then I rewrote, so good. And then I rewrote, so freaking good. And then I put by far my favorite part of this movie. That dialogue he had. Um, and this is when they're in Askelia still. Yeah, and he's, yeah. he's trying to. Yeah, that is good. You're right. It's one of my favorite parts of uh, probably the whole series. It's just such wow. a powerful speech, powerful music, powerful scene. So good. That's high praise because there's so many good scenes throughout the, the trilogy. Yep. That is a good part. So I, I mentioned something critical earlier for them like detouring from what really happens in the book and you can fall into those traps when you're trying to make something your own when you're basing it from a book but the good things come out of it too and um it all it all worked it all worked in in the scene that you're referencing for sure yeah and and sam's the unsung hero i think yes we probably said this last time and we'll definitely say it again when we talk about the third one but uh and I didn't like him as much when I was younger. I couldn't appreciate that kind of character. But everything Sam does, you're just like, fuck, Sam, you're awesome, man. Yeah, like, yeah. If Frodo would have just listened to you half the, for half the movie, then these problems would not even have like, occurred. <laughs> right, yeah. And maybe this is bad. I hesitate to say it because I don't want to sound like bloodthirsty. But you know, if Sam would have just like killed Gollum at the beginning, right? maybe they wouldn't have gotten to where they got. Maybe they didn't need him to get there. I'm not sure. But Jesus, I wanted him to do it selfishly anyway. <laughs> and Sam's badass enough to do it. Right. Um, I yeah. think he wanted to. You know, yeah. Frodo maybe maybe held him back from doing that. Right. But you're right. That's an awesome speech. And Sam has a lot of awesome moments. And that's just one of them. Absolutely. 
Um, two Helms deep things I'll point out is the preparation for the battle is appropriately tense. They do a good job setting it up. Like you feel the burden of what's going to happen to these people if they fail. Um, you feel the burden of these young men that are ill-prepared um, for a battle like this, uh, what they might be going through. I think that the movie does a good job setting you up for what could be, you know, their, I think whatever Sauron says, like come morning, there'll be no man or the fall of man or whatever it is. But that seems like a possibility. The movie does a really good job of making you think this is a huge army. Tens, you know, what do they say? 10,000 versus 300 or whatever it is. Nagathagathayer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, it, it feels, it feels tense. It's appropriately tense. Like it gets dark, the rain drops, they can see him in the distance. Like even the marching gets louder as they approach. And you know, the, like you were talking about the sound a minute ago. Um, that's another aspect of that noise. That's like silent. And then, as the scene goes on, it gets louder and louder as they get closer to Helm's Deep. Yeah. Um, which, no duh, yeah, but I think in a lesser movie, you take something like that for granted. In a movie like this that was so carefully crafted, that something like that stands out. Right. And even the small stuff where Legolas comes back and apologizes after they've sort of fought because Legolas is doubting him. Or where Aragorn has that moment with the kid who's swinging the sword. And he says it's a good sword. Little stuff like that that makes what's going to happen later all the more worthwhile. And then what does happen later, and I'll just say this quickly, when the wall explodes, that's really, really cool. I don't know if that was done in miniatures or with CGI, yeah. but that's that's very awesome when the wall blows up. Right. And the reactions of the characters was awesome too, I thought. Yeah. I mean that whole thing, that's part yeah. of it. Absolutely. Yep. Like they all have that reaction to it happening. Like what oh, the hell? Holy shit. Yeah. And just that it would blow up and even like when the rock lands back on the Urukai army, like they knew they were going to blow the wall up, but then like a huge chunk of the wall takes out like, let's say 25 or 30 men. Right. Just the detail for something like that. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. And that whole battle to me, it kept getting grittier and filthier and dirtier and smokier. And just like it just kept compounding this sort of like filth in a good way. And then it all, you know, it all bubbles over and it turns out to be OK. But I do love how even you look at their faces, you look at the sweat, everything was done in a sort of respectful to the battle type of way. And I really appreciated that this time around. I don't want to dip into the third one too much, but would I be wrong if I said I enjoyed the Battle of Helm's Deep more than I enjoyed the Battle of Pelennor Fields? I don't think you would be wrong. So in the first one, you and I both kind of conjectured that there might be a chance. I don't know if you agreed with me, but for me at least, to appreciate the second one more than the third one this go around, even though back in the day I liked the third one better. And the reason being the extended battle scenes in the third movie versus the character development in the second movie. And, you know, after watching this second one again, I really liked it. Like, I liked it more than I used to. I appreciated it more than I used to. And that's not a hard claim to make. That This battle was just very well crafted. And it was focused on the individual characters and the plot in a way where the third one seemed to be a lot more just based on scale and devastation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you weren't getting those, like the small blow up of the wall and then the individual characters responding, those kind of moments that just brought you into that gritty level just weren't as 
prevalent in my opinion. But again, it's been a long time, so I'll have to see. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just if I we're basing it right now on memory, and I'm thinking about the third one, I mean, they take time to have individual scenes in there, sure. But um, yeah, I don't know. Something about Helm's Deep feels more personal, and maybe because of that Rohan stuff is so good, you feel so invested in it. Again, I don't want to dip too much into the third one, but I don't know that they invest enough in Gondor to make it feel as personal as Helm's Deep does. Yeah, I, let's save that for when we talk about the third one. I don't want to get into all that because I have lots of complaints about how men and Gondor and all that stuff's depicted. Um, but it's an escalating battle. Like there's layer after layer after layer. You know, the good guys sort of have a, like a small victory, but then something else happens. They blow up the wall. You know, the elves show up, but then like just even seeing all the elves like laying dead when Hal Deer gets stabbed and he sees his fellow elven kind laying on the ground. You're not used to seeing that. You know, you're not used to seeing elves in that state because we think of them as, as being like eternal or or like flawless and like Legolas. I don't know if he even gets a scratch for the entire like trilogy. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a big departure from the like the movie trope, like single scratch on Arwen's cheek, you know, and then yeah. Rivendell where everybody's clean. You know, it, it's a big departure into this gritty, real, real mess of a fight. Yeah. Totally. And I love that they just keep getting pushed back. Like there's layer to layer for the battle, but then there's layer layer for their retreat as well. Like they go back this much and then they go back this much and they're trying to bar that one door at the very end. And then they get pushed back so much so that they eventually just have to friggin' ride out on horseback down into the battle. I don't – if Gandalf and them wouldn't have shown up, like, they would have gotten, you know, slaughtered, um, and it would have been a heroic, I guess, maybe foolish or heroic way to go out depending on your opinion. But um, they're pushed back to that point, and that's what it comes to that, that they – you know, Aragorn says, ride out with me. Um from beginning to end, it's really good. They build up the tension nicely, and it pays off because it's an intense fight. Yeah, no, absolutely. Totally agree. Well, do you have any more praise, or should we start talking some shit? What you got? We, let's talk some shit, yeah. Alas, that these evil days should be mine. The young perish and the old linger. That I should live to see the last days of my house. So we kind of talked about this in the first movie, but opening up, I got to see it again. So second look at the Gandalf hanging on the cliff thing. And I'm, you know, I'm going to call it. It's bad acting staging. I'm officially saying this was a bad acting staging thing. They could have made this look like a hopeless scenario. We were joking about how he was like halfway on the cliff. But like... Looking at it a second time, it really was just, in my opinion, a poorly staged, poorly acted, filmed scene because the reality, I'm sure, was in the books was that he was just barely hanging on. Motherfucker was on the cliff. Like, he was good. <laughs> yeah, so, he had like, two elbows on it, right? He really did. So that's that's my first big complaint. Like, that was not staged the way it should have been, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I always thought that that seemed silly. I remember us talking about this on, in the first go around, and then to replay it like that, it then I just thought it again as I was watching it. Like, okay, yeah, you got two elbows on there. Um, yeah, at the same time, did you just give up? I mean, maybe we talked about that that last time too. Like, yeah, 
Yeah. Did he know he was maybe possibly going to transcend into another being? And he, that was the path he had to go on. It's so hard with a character like Gandalf because you can always write it off like, well, that was his plan all along type thing. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, the big one for me in this movie, and I get the intent and the purpose behind it, but as a viewer watching it, it's not fun. And a lot of people like Treebeard. But for me, <laughs> for me, the movie grinds to a halt when it's a tree beard scene. Right. Um, and I get it. You need those meditative moments amongst all the action. You have to have that stuff. The movie has to slow down because you have to have these characters reflecting on what the themes of the movie are and, you know, showing how it's affecting a different sect of people that we haven't interacted with yet or creatures in this case, the Ents. But they're just boring to watch, and I hoped that this time I wouldn't think that. But if I'm being honest, after a couple of the Treebeard scenes, I just fast-forwarded through them because I didn't care anymore. Right, um, yeah, yeah. Having seen it as many times as I have, well, I knew they were going to eventually attack Isengard, and that scene is really, really satisfying. That yeah. scene's awesome. I agree, um, yeah. I should have said that in the praise section, but watching it, it's painful. Right. No, I hear you. I had some similar complaints to tie into that about Treebeard. I mean, the big things that bothered me about him, aside from the pacing, which you're right, that's the thing. But I kept feeling like there was a scaling problem with him. Did you feel that way? Like, in one scene, he was this big compared to the Hobbits, and then the next scene, he was this big compared to the Hobbits. You know, I didn't think about that. I didn't catch any of that. It was... But now I'm curious. I mean, everything from just him picking them up to walking with them to being next to them to storming Isengard to having close-ups of his face. I mean, there just seemed like the scaling was not not attentive, and I, I felt like he was all over the place. The bigger thing that bothered me more was that, and I wrote this, I said, a few of the green screen shots with Merry and Pippin on Treebeard looked bad, like 1980s cop movie in a moving car bad was specifically how I put it. Like you have the scenery moving behind them when they're on top of this monster. And it was very much like inside of a, of a sedan and you see like the golden gate bridge yeah, behind them type thing. I know what you mean. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God, that's bad. So yeah, tree beard bothered me in a lot of ways too. It's unfortunate because the ints has an idea are really, really cool. And I think it's something that when you read it in like a fantasy novel, it's awesome and it works. But when it translates to the screen, it falls a little flat. If you thought the ants were cool and you read the books, then it's really awesome to see them in the flesh. But Tree Beard talks so slow. I just, I'm like, shut up, Tree Beard. Just shut up. Yeah, yeah. And I just started fast forwarding after a while because I'm not getting anything out of those scenes at this point later. And, you know, I think that's part of the reevaluation. Even if they're important thematically, are they doing anything for me in the moment as I'm watching it on a rewatch? Not really. It's an over-explained or super obvious sort of environmentalist theme, and I get it, and I'm cool with moving past it quickly. <laughs> Done. And check. And we're I on. got it. I right. get you, Tolkien. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Industrial Revolution was bad. <laughs> um. I was talking about some CGI. There's a couple other ones that really stood out to me that were really bad. In particular, the two that I saw, the Warg Rider CGI, as they're like running down the hill towards the men in the first battle scene, really, um, in this movie. 
that was just so bad. I mean, the way the wargs were moving. You ever seen one of those video games where there's like a car going down a hill, but it's kind of like slightly sideways for the path it's taking? Yeah. That's kind of what I felt like, seeing these different warg riders moving down this hill all at once. And I was just like, oh, oh, bad, 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 bad. So, yeah, that was one of my big ones. Particularly when they do the close-up of, like, the orc on the warg, those were always awful. That's a, probably a really hard thing to to render, like, because you've got, I'm guessing this human actor in prosthetics as an orc, but you've got him on, like, a CGI warg, and melding those two things together, it doesn't click the same way. Well, you can film a man on a horse and have that look real. And when they're attacking each other, it looks even more obvious because you've got Aragorn yeah. and company on their horses coming one way and then it cuts back and forth and it cuts to like the orc on the warg and it looks so fake right totally. um, and then you cut back to the men on a horse and that looks so real so it stands out even more yeah totally um, yep yeah you're right about that um you were praising the golem effects and a lot of them are good but the only complaint fx that i noted was that some of the golem stuff it probably looked good back then but it doesn't look great now um that's no fault of the movie they were working with the best tools that they had at the time um yeah but some of the golem scenes aren't as good as some of the other ones like there are great ones in there where he's in the scene and it's rendered perfectly he blends in it doesn't stand out and then there are a couple and i didn't write down any in particular i wish i would have wrote down at least one specific one um but some of the golem effects were a little like uh, right yeah no i believe you the other big CGI for me was, so at the end of the battle, all the Urkais are running into the woods. Every single one of them looks like a carbon copy of another one in the same scene. And they all look like they have a giant stick up their butt. That's what I wrote. I was like, <laughs> the, way they're, the way they're running is just not realistic. And I'm seeing the same Uruk like seven times in the scene. That was the other really horrible CGI for me. I think that's the problem when you need to have like... 200 of something so one of them looks bad and then you digitally copy it over so you can recreate the army so they all look bad yeah totally um again probably at the time we were like well that's an impressive army they're fielding no matter what they were doing even riding the war we maybe we thought that was cool but i can't remember how it felt back then but yeah you know one looks bad and then you're just like digitally copying <laughs> a bunch of them doing something well they're i all sort of look that way yeah 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 what else you got I have one plot thing, I have one big thing, and then I have one small thing. So um, let me do the plot thing because this is small but just annoying. All right. Um, Aragorn going over the cliff is totally unnecessary. There's enough tension in that movie. There's enough scenes where, like, what's going to happen? Is man going to survive the night? That they didn't need to have that in there. Sure. Um, I guess there were a couple of reasons. Number one, yeah, let's slow the movie down a little bit. Number two, it gives us a chance to to get the Arwen stuff in there. And number three, it builds suspense. Like if you haven't read the books or whatever, you're like, well, oh my God, Aragorn. Number one, is he dead? Well, they cut away quickly to the fact that he's not. So if they were trying to build suspense for like, is he or isn't he, then that was pointless because we find out pretty quick that he's still alive. And is he going to make it back to Helm's Deep? Of course he is. There right. wouldn't be a fucking yeah. movie. Yeah, so sure. the, whole, the whole plot point is totally unnecessary, and it really didn't do anything. They could have still done the Arwen stuff if they really wanted that and not had him go over the cliff. Right. That's not in the books. Um, that's total movie creation, and it shows because it's pointless. Sure. I hear you on that one. 
So I had some harshing on Aragorn moments, which was Whoa. weird for me. Yeah, I had a couple of them. Whoa. Yeah. So Folks at home, if you even <laughs> knew right now what that meant. Well, ba- you threw some shade at him already earlier because you were saying like he kind of is feeding into Eowyn's crush a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So here's one. I wrote, has Aragorn always been so walk into someone's business weirdly, say a few profound things, and then cut to a new scene? <laughs> like I, I, I kept seeing this happen over and over again, and I was like, I mean, is that his thing? Is that what he does? I don't know. Something about that yeah. bothered me. But the big thing, the big thing about Aragorn that bothered me was I called it his ridiculous little limit break, which if you're a Final Fantasy fan, you'll get that joke. But like when he's at Helm's Deep and Haldir dies and he just goes, blah, and he like pushes a ladder and like launches himself into an army of a thousand Urukai. And then like five minutes later is magically sword dancing backwards into the keep. When I saw that little limit break, I was just like, okay, that's. That's ridiculous. That he is. has a couple of those, too. I mean, some of them are plausible, like the whole throwing Gimli and jumping onto that ramp or whatever. It was cool. It was badass. It was plausible. But, like, he's literally on a ladder, launching himself into the middle of a Urukai army, and yeah. he just, like, magically appears back. Okay, that's a little much. I love me some yeah, Aragorn. I always thought that was But bullshit. that's a little I much. I call bullshit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're right. Were there others? Were there anything else where you had you're like throwing some shade on him? Because I'm like I'm I don't know what to make of this right now. I'm really <laughs> surprised. Not even like physical stuff though, too though. Like what you were saying, like I mean, he he's just like that's his character because that's who he is. But like Aragorn, you know, he just walks into a room and he just says what yeah. it is, and that's yeah. that. Like yeah, you I know. Just listen or get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> well, no, that was really all I had for Aragorn. I mean, those two things. And the first one was honestly kind of more of a realization. It was just like, you know, that's just how they were cutting the scenes or whatever. It was probably supposed to be, you know, he's a badass. But the a lot of the other stuff that I noticed was, was related to other characters. I wrote um, – <laughs> there's like a stream of consciousness thing. I, I wrote, Legolas even runs like a douche. And then like later I wrote, seriously – Legolas is just too much for me. I don't know what part of the movie that was, but he was just like crossing some lines for me. And this is my favorite quote. Gandalf intro with the Saruman voice and a bright flash of white light. And he's like knocking their arrows out of the sky and and melting their swords and confusing them and making them fear. And then, oh, I'm Gandalf. You know, it's just like that's when I saw that. I was like, okay, what a Gandalf thing to do. The Odell Beckham Jr. of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do this small thing, and then I'm going to hit one of the big things that really drives me crazy. I mentioned it earlier. Right. But this is really, really small. It means nothing in the context of the movie, but I always fucking hated this scene um, where they're at the Black Gate, and Sam's like, let's go for it. And, and Frodo's like, no. But then they roll down the hill. And they cover themselves up with the blanket. So that that maybe it's like another scale mistake or something. But for me, there's no fucking way that the Easterling walking up wouldn't have seen them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's proportionally the way it's shot. I, I don't have a sense of place. So I don't know how far up the mountain they really are. But it seems to me that there was any kind of ruckus that it would have kicked up <laughs> dust. They yeah. would have seen rocks flying around. Somebody <laughs> out of the corner of their eye would have seen two fucking hobbits rolling down a hill outside the black <laughs> gate. Something tells me that doesn't happen every day. So the fact that the Easterling walks up and they're covered with the blanket, and he's just and he it, it's at their feet because when they can see through the blanket, his feet are right there. Yeah. Um. 
that always rings false and I absolutely hate that scene. You're right. It's very video game trope where like you just like step slightly to the left and then the enemy doesn't see you anymore sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of Deus Ex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Divided, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I just killed like five people in the room with really loud bullets, but like the guy comes in and then he looks around and he's like, I thought I heard something. And he just <laughs> leaves like, bro, five of your friends are dead in this room with bullets in their heads. Yeah. There yeah. Was, you definitely heard something. Yeah. You didn't think you heard something. <laughs> yeah. I where's, hate that. Too. Where's Jim? Right, yeah. That's a good point. Here's one that I had. So I really like Theoden. I really like the power of this spell. I like the transition in general from possessed Theoden to free Theoden because it shows his like wrecked state to his powerful state. But I don't know why this always bugged me so much, but it did this go around too. Why did his facial hair disappear? You know what I mean? Like I was really yeah. bothered by the fact that his gray mangy beard went to this nice, neatly little trimmed thing when it was healthy Theoden. There was a breaking the physical wall boundary there that just yeah. that bothered me. Like, That's I, a visual liberty that they had to take to show you that he was transforming back into his normal self. Yeah. But I mean, they've done so well with Gritty. Couldn't they have made me a gritty, healthy Theoden? You know what I mean? Like... It just seemed too Barbie and Ken. Yeah, it's a little silly. Um, the I guess the on the flip side of that, they would have had to have had a scene where either they showed him shaving or he said something like, it feels good to be my old self again. Since he's like <laughs> combing his hair or something. So they probably did that to, to, to save themselves the trouble and also just show you like it, physical transformation. Right. To mirror his like spiritual transformation. Right, um, right. But you're right. I mean, that's it, that's kind of – I could think of that happening in, in other fantasy things I've seen. I've been thinking of like the TV Merlin miniseries. I don't know if you ever saw that um, when you were younger, but when Merlin wants to turn back time in one scene, he has a long beard. and He's old, and he kind of does this hand wave on his face, and his beard like retracts, and he becomes like clean-shaven and young again. Yeah. So I don't know yeah, if that's yeah. just like a, a fantasy thing, a fantasy trope. Oh, to show sure. that transformation or um, blossoming back into your younger self or, or, or what. But um, yeah, that I can live with that. But I agree. That's kind of like, uh, okay, it's not as practical as maybe some other things in the movie were. You know, I like it better that way, like as a actual change in aging. I, I can handle that because that actually is like a time shift versus, you know, just going from a like a um, – uh, a weakened degenerate state to a healthy state that that bothers me but if it's i i can see that being an aging thing where he was aged he was elderly and now was brought back to his youth that would make more sense to me i would like that better unless it was just the magic i mean yeah. you know the, the black magic the dark magic that grima had poisoned him with um was powerful that it, it had an outward physical manifestation. And then when Gandalf lifts that black magic, then it disappears or vanishes or he reverts back to how he was before it began. Um, there are lots of things in Lord of the Rings where sometimes you're like, is this literal or is this uh, uh, just a depiction they did to make you understand it easier? Like, like when Gandalf's fighting the Balrog, and I wrote this down on my general notes, is he literally going through the earth, or is that just like a visual representation of what he's dealing with in the afterlife or the 
interlife or midlife or whatever you want to call it that they have in middle earth but like you know what i mean like right. when they fall through right. the mines like where the fuck are they going literally yeah but they depict it as him like sort of falling through the earth when then they land on like a weird snow top and it's just like what happened there that's a good there are point. lots of things like that throughout the trilogy i think where they just needed to represent it visually so they did it a certain way and maybe the theoden's de-aging is that right we're showing them the magic lifted and this isn't an easy way we can do it. No, no, I like that answer. That's good. I appreciate that. That's nice. Do you got any other complaints? Um, yeah, my last one, and I alluded to this earlier, and I'll just bring it up again, but I really, really dislike, and I think it's um, it's not cool. It's irresponsible that the movie implies that Smeagol could have changed if not for Frodo's trick. And I don't know that, that they lean into it super heavy, but they definitely present it as an option, like – Smeagol was turning over a new leaf. He was really getting along with Frodo and Sam. He liked them after all. And then when Frodo tricks him because Faramir's like threatening to kill him, and you know, Frodo's like, Come with me, Smeagol, trust Master, trust Master. And then he gets captured right. by Faramir's men. Um, you know, later Smeagol has a conversation with himself where he says, like, well, you know, it's obvious he didn't care about you, he tricked you. Um I don't like that. I don't like that implication that maybe Smeagol was turning over a new leaf before that happened because, like I said earlier, I don't think that was ever the case. I think he was always a bad person by that point, at least anyway, and, and it didn't matter how nice Frodo and Sam were to him. He was always going to want the ring. Right. I totally agree with you. So maybe it's a small moment of mercy that they're trying to give him there by saying like, oh, well, he's got good in him still. I can accept that. Um, but by tying it to Frodo tricking him… They're doing a disservice to Frodo. They're doing a disservice to the story, I think. Sure. No, I like that. You ready to wrap this puppy up? Um, I did this last time. So sure. this could fall into complaints because of what they are. But uh, for the first one, I had like whimsical line readings. And, and I don't know if this was an actor choice or a director choice. Um, and I, I, they're technical complaints, I guess, because they're so fucking silly <laughs> the way that they're either dubbed over later or said originally at the time i don't know yeah. but it has no other master yeah right exactly <laughs> for this one I, I have two and one of them was um when they're in the dead marshes and sam's surprised to see the nazgul show up and he's like black riders and i'm like that you could have you could have done better there, Sam. <laughs> Sean asked, you could have, Black Riders. I don't know. That one just, that one got me a little bit. And unfortunately, he also had the other one I wrote down was, it's an Oliphant. It, it, that's the way it's pronounced, I know, but it just fell to him to have to say it, yeah. which is not good because he has a lot of lines, I think, throughout the movies where I'm just like, no, Sam, please. <laughs> um. But those are the, the whimsical line readings, I call them, that kind of made me chuckle or laugh to myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> this time. Both from Samwise Gamgee. I like it. I like it. So we got to conclude, right? We got to see what's going to happen. Did, did it hold up? Here we go. Did it hold up? Fell deeds awake. Now for wrath. Now for ruin. And the red dawn. So does this movie hold up? What do you think? Does it hold up uh, 16 years later? It does. Um, 
I think we're going to be able to say this for each one that we watched because we said it for the first one. But in terms of fantasy prior to Lord of the Rings coming out and anything in the fantasy genre post Lord of the Rings, I don't think anything compares. And as a middle chapter in a trilogy, I think the Two Towers nails it. Yeah. You mentioned this earlier, and we said this on the first when we reviewed Fellowship. Um, but I always took this one for granted and thought maybe it was the worst of the three. And I need to watch Return of the King again because there were things in this movie that didn't work for me. There are a couple things where I thought, like, I don't need this. Right. Aragorn falling off the cliff. Cut that. Save 20 minutes. Right. Treebeard scenes. They grind the movie to a halt. It brings the movie down a little bit for me, regardless of, of the message that the ants are there to convey or the coolness of the ants in general. Um, so there are things that don't work. Uh, but overall – it's still a really good movie and it can stand alone, I think as its own thing without just saying like it's part two of a three part trilogy. I like the way you said that. Cause I had the exact same like question structure here. You know, does it hold up on its own? Does it hold up as part two in a three part set? And I mean, two in a three part set is obvious. It holds up. I think there's a very strong case to be made that it does hold up even on its own. You know, the powerful intro, the ending scene with Sam was just one of my favorites. And I think that there's a lot of it that I took for granted 16 years ago that I appreciated more this go around. So, yeah, I agree completely. They don't really do this in the third one, although it does kind of come back together eventually. But, um, you know, the first one in Fellowship, they're together. And this is the movie where they're continuing the story, but they're going on different paths. Like I said, they're the three threads. Um, you have the Frodo Sam stuff, you have the Rohan stuff, and then you have Merry and Pippin with Treebeard, and you can tie Saruman to that as well, I guess. Um, so it, it's a continuation of all those people's stories that who were together in Fellowship, and now they're sort of on their individual quests. And that continues into Return of the King, although they do all come back together as one eventually. Um but it does something different, so it's not telling the same story. They're not all together. They have to go about some of these things alone. Um, Frodo and Sam in particular, that feels so isolationist. They're really out there in the wilds. Like It's amazing to think about um, two hobbits accomplishing what they do, getting as far as they do, going through what they go through, sure. to even go through more when we get to Return of the King. Um, so it's a strong story. Um, Aragorn's continuing to grow as a leader, as the future king of Gondor. Badass, yes. Where he's reluctant in fellowship a lot. There's some of that reluctance still in this movie, but you can really start to see him come into his own. Um, you know, where he says, I will die as one of them. Yeah. That's a big comment, so I'm not pointing out anything that's special. But it's important yep. because, you know, that's facilitating who he's going to um, – become and who he is as a character already um frodo and sam the bond deepening getting them closer to their ultimate goal i think you know sam starts to stand out even further in this movie before he becomes complete badass in the third one yeah even mary and pippin you know they grow as characters they're fairly useless in fellowship <laughs> they're comic relief basically yeah but yeah. by the end of this movie they have a triumphant part of well to play you know they they essentially convince the ants to take matters into their own hands they're a big part of fashioning that into happening so each character um continues to build and grow and we see different facets of them and they are all in their own ways maturing into these badass characters um and these warriors that they'll be remembered as later throughout tales of middle earth um 
and I think the movie does a good job of showing that, showing those individual journeys and standing on its own. It's just the tale of, you know, if you take Helm's Deep as being this big uh, centerpiece, battle piece and everything sort of building up to that, it's a small victory. And, you know, Gandalf says at the end, battle for Helm's Deep is won, battle for Middle Earth is just beginning. So it sets things up nicely for, for the third movie. Yeah, no, totally. I love this movie. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we were able to do it. We found time to make this happen. We had uh, some scheduling problems. It was tough we both, did. on both ends. <laughs> we did. We, we had some issues. Yeah. Um, we were waylaid. Yeah. Um, we could not quite get that ring to Mordor, but we finally <laughs> we finally made it. It's like in the great podcast, Earnshaw. The ones that really mattered. Full of scheduling difficulties and delays they were. And sometimes you, you didn't want to know the timetable because how could the timetable be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was if this podcast never happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the podcasts that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Earnshaw, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those podcasts had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going. Because they were holding on to something. Miranda Otto, if you're listening, call me. <laughs> Next time, let's um, let's have a segment where we just write down Legolas's lines for better or worse. Oh, I, I like think that it. was the only thing I missed because I really wanted to say like Legolas's best line because he actually had a good one, and Legolas's worst line because he has lots of those. All right, I'm on it. Yeah. In this one, I'll just say like I busted out laughing when he said, "This forest is old." Very <laughs> like no fucking shit, like <laughs> fucking Captain Obvious. Yeah, um, but he actually had a good one, and uh, when Aragorn shows back up and he just says like, "You look terrible," right? I was like, "Oh, well, they gave Legolas a good line." Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that was clever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So let's see if we can find some of those when we do Return of the King. All right, I'm down. I'm game. So it's Miliardo here. Earnshaw's power has gone out. Pretty sure it's because he was talking all that shit about Gandalf. And Gandalf's like, you know what? Fuck that Earnshaw guy. What does he know? When, um, oh shit, man. Beer's getting to me. I'm not remembering these really obscure elf names. Uh. Nothing serious. All my other questions now are assholey.
questions. <laughs> ask holy ask, who questions? Ask holy Earnshaw questions. There you go. That's cool. I'll bleep it out. We'll, we'll edit that later. That's right. <laughs> I can become an Aragorn uh, po- apologetic. Uh, apologi- apolo- apologist? Apologist. Thank you. I can become an Aragorn apologist. You ready to move into praise for Lord of the Rings? Let's do it. It's not playing. Are you hearing it? I don't hear anything. I hear you. I don't hear anything else. Let me try it this way. Oh, the controller died. <laughs> That's funny because we just finished the quiz. It was working. All right, here we go. Praise spot. Psych. What? Nothing's happening, Mr. Frodo. Oh. They got, hang on. I'll be right back. Something, they got kicked somehow. That's amazing. It was just working. Hang on one sec. So how like vain is it that doesn't even matter? Like you know you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear these later, but I'm like no, he has to hear it now. He has to hear the praise spot. It makes it it makes it it's <laughs> it part doesn't. of it. All right, it all puts right. me in the mindset of being in Middle Earth and talking about Middle Earth. So freedom, you know what this is? Corrales doesn't. I have a secret quiz I have to give Corrales for a podcast that I'm working on. Freaking love secret quizzes. Does it allow me to drink? You're gonna just get to heckle Corrales basically. Oh, perfect. That's like me, Freedom's, take that's a... Freedom's favorite thing. That's his favorite hobby. Okay, so Corrales, without knowing the terms of the quiz, all right, here's here's my proposition. Um, I know a lot more about this than you do. So how about I pour a glass of my Elijah Craig barrel proof. I dig it. And you pour a glass of a standard proof, and whenever you get it wrong, you drink a sip. And whenever you get it right, I drink a sip of the barrel proof. What do you think? Is that fair? I have no idea what the topic is. Exactly. I mean, it could be a fucking math quiz. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, and I'm no going to get hammered, right. and you're going to have nothing to drink. Right. Yeah. It'd be perfect. All right, let's is do it. Is it L-O-T-R? All right. So the topic oh, is, son of a bitch. is this Lord of the Rings? Or, or is it hell? Or? I figured. <laughs> so how are you going to – but it's your quiz, so how are you going to – Oh, if I if I get it right, you drink. Yeah, yeah, correct. All right, bourbon or scotch. Well, Elijah Craig's a bourbon, so yeah, do bourbon. So bourbon. Do you All have right, a bourbon? Reserve double oak. Yep. So Krause, are you ready, good sir? I'm ready, brother. Ooh, Let's I'm, do this. I'm so excited. So, can I ask you a question? How many times have you seen The Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers? Uh, I don't watch a movie more than once. Ever? Have you watched it once? Yes. Oh, so you're not quite as good of a control as Freedom. Many moons ago. Many moons ago. So you have seen The Two Towers one time. So yes, that hmm. might actually make this work in my favor. Yes, it may. If you listen to the first one, the first quiz, the point of that one was to put all the, the quotes in a porn setting. The point of this one is to put all the quotes <laughs> in a Lord of the Rings setting, right? So okay. maybe I can trick you with some of my great music and voice work. But it's still porn versus Lord, Lord of, the of the Rings, Rings quotes, yes. right? Yeah. But if it was okay. from Lord of the Rings, I pulled it from where it originally was, and I put it into a different context, just so there would be no okay. exact matches. All right. All right. Okay. So you ready? All right. Question number – and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how good Earnshaw did, but I will say I asked Earnshaw if he had a message for you as you were preparing for this quiz tonight. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it went a little something like this. I wish I could quote Gandalf after he defeats the Balrog, but I'm going to smote his ass from the mountainside. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Do you have a message for Earnshaw in response? 
you know what? I'm not going to stoop to his level. I'm going to let my performance do my speaking for me. <laughs> Is that what we're okay? All right. All right. I'll probably well, have something to okay. say at the end, though. Can't, wait, a minute. <laughs> okay. wait, 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 wait. Before we start here, uh huh. Are you? What's your favorite movie, Corrales, of all time? Um, if you have one, I mean, I know not everybody's a movie buff, and I mean, I'm not either, but I do have a favorite yeah. movie. Do you have a favorite movie at all? I don't really know if I have one. <laughs> I don't think oh, okay. I have a favorite okay. movie. I just found it so interesting, interesting that you yeah, haven't watched too. a movie more than once. I, I just found that interesting. That's yeah, all. It's, I don't watch movies I'm the, twice for the most part. I'm the same way. I don't watch movies in yeah. general. I'm a music yeah. guy more so than I am mus- uh, uh, movies. I'm, uh, I'm music but and I books. Do like, have, those are the things that I remember. Yeah, I but I I have a favorite movie even since childhood. So anyway, yeah. okay, I, I was just curious. Yeah, okay. I, I I couldn't tell you, man. I I I have a lot. I have movies that I really like. You know, I do watch yeah, movies. Yeah. I mean, I like movies, but yeah, I, I just I don't know, man. I just don't get super pumped Nothing about movies. It. Well, let's see if that bites you in the butt here. Hey, it probably will. Like I, I, I <laughs> okay. So so sports and pop culture are the things that rip me a new one when it comes to trivia stuff. Right. You know, uh, pop culture so, for me too. Sports, I can probably yeah. hold my own. What about porn? Were we talking about favorite porn movies? Because that's different. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, I've right. watched yeah. those more yeah. than once. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Question number one: Lord of the Rings or porn? Okay. Got nothing, by the way. Not hearing anything. Really? Still not hearing anything. Yeah, this that one that first one's gonna be real tricky. Yeah. Uh is it Silence of the Lambs? I, I can't imagine a lot of silence <laughs> right. in a porn movie. I'll try it again. Um, I'll try it again. See if it works this time. It is for Helen Keller's porn movie. Alright, so question number one. Mr. Wiggles is gonna spit all over you. Lord of the Rings or porn. Is that Talking. you doing the voice? Yes. That would be my my excellent voice work, yes. Yeah, yes. fucking weirdo. And is that the Lord of the Rings <laughs> music playing behind you? That would be the Lord of the Rings music, yes. <laughs> They're all going to be Lord of the Rings music. That's the point. It makes yeah. it more legit. It really does make it sound more legit. Right? Mr. Right? Wiggles right? is going to spit all over you. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Oh God! Um, <laughs> Mr. Wiggles. By the way, I'm this gonna is go that that hilarious. Holy shit! <laughs> um, Mr. Wiggles. I don't remember a Mr. Wiggles in Lord of the Rings. Um, that seems weird and porn too. <laughs> Mr. Wiggles. I'm going to go that that was Lord of the Rings. All right. Well, I should tell you, too, that this is the extended edition. So you might not have seen it doesn't the footage. Matter. That, that yeah, I wouldn't from. remember if I had. It and doesn't matter. That was porn. So drink good, sir. <laughs> oh, no. All right. <laughs> I want to tell me the name of the movie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fact check the hell out of you. I'll do the same disclaimer I gave to Freedom last time, which was I did not scour the Internet for porn to do this quiz. 
I went on places like Reddit and subreddit for like the worst uh, porn lines of all time. And uh, so uh, this was this that was a popular one. So I, I'm assuming that they're telling the truth. Well, I'm gonna have to look that up. I wanna I wanna see what this Mr. Wiggles fellow looks like. <laughs> I don't think you do because they'll spit on you, right? That's <laughs> the problem. Spit on you. Right. <laughs> Question number two: Lord of the Rings or porn? How would you like it if your balls were in your ears? Men. That way I could hear myself coming. Lord of the Rings are porn. It's, that's gotta be porn. Balls in your ears, I can hear myself coming. <laughs> <laughs> you going porn on that one? I'm going with porn on that one. You're correct. Okay. I'll take a sip for you, good Son, sir. I mean, well if that well was done. in Lord of the Rings, man, I was about to fucking jump out my window. Like, <laughs> maybe without the I can hear myself coming part, but once I heard that, it's right. like, okay, that, that's that got to be porn. Right. That's fair. All right, question number three. All right, that's one-to-one. One. I'm keeping score, by the way. It works hard now to find its way back into the hands of men. Men who are so easily seduced. So what do you think, Corrales? Lord of the Rings or porn? Lord of the Rings, 100%. Yes, you're correct. Mark you my words, uh, ladies and <laughs> I marked them, my I friend. He, I don't think he's keeping notes, is he? The stenographer always keeps notes. I am playing speedrunners, so that would be a negative. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. All right, question number four. Lord of the Rings or porn? Can you see the bottom? <laughs> no. Don't look down. <laughs> Lord of the Rings are porn. <laughs> you doing these is fucking weird, Miliardo. Like you doing these voices <laughs> is what really makes this funny. Um, I'm gonna go Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you are correct. Thank you, sir. Well done, sir. Thank you, sir. I'm losing. I'm three steps in. All right. Question number five. Lord of the Rings or porn? It makes me feel tingly all over and then nothing. There should be bells ringing, dams bursting, bombs going off. Lord of the Rings report. Hmm. <laughs> should be. Makes me feel tingly all over and then nothing. Hey, Freedom, I like how, how hard he's trying. I'm going to. Oh, I'm, I mean, he's got to think very seriously. <laughs> I mean, you've seen me play uh, Ad Lib the News. Mad Lib? The news? Yeah, your your oh, mom. That hurt me. Your mama. That hurt me deep. Um, <laughs> Can't even get the fucking segments right. Jesus. Right. Right. I mean, his is easy. Whiskey corner. Ooh. That's true. <laughs> I think we gave that to him too. I'm gonna go porn. <laughs> you are correct. Oh, well done, sir. Thank you, well sir. Done. Thank you, sir. Your porn knowledge is mm. proving very useful right now. Thank you. Right. You are Thank nailing you. these porn ones. Thank you. For <laughs> <practice>. <laughs> Question number six. <laughs> hey, yo. hey yo. Question number six. Lord of the Rings or porn? There's another way. More secret. A dark way. I'm going to go Lord of the Rings. You are correct. Thank you, sir. Well done, sir. What I really want to know is, am I beating Earnshaw at this point? Probably. Uh, no. Oh, no? Sure 
it. He had missed one. Curly Vinegarita. You've only missed one though. So I mean, it's not. Yeah, he just he got number one correct. That son of a bitch. Okay, <laughs> keep him coming. That's what she said. Question number seven. Yep. <laughs> My hand was wrapped around my royal penis! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to go porn on that one. Yeah, I'm already drinking for that one, but whatever. You're correct. <laughs> my royal penis. My royal penis! <laughs> <laughs> Question number eight. This is no dream, baby. This is happening. Oh, I mean, it says baby. I'm gonna go porn on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you and Earnshaw and Freedom too all picked up on the fact that if baby was in the word, you know it's porn. That's just. I think that's uh, that's that's that means something. I hadn't yeah, quite figured yeah, out what it is yeah. yet, but yes, yeah, you something. have. <laughs> Question number nine: Lord of the Rings are porn. Trust, master. Come. Did it say thrust master? Uh, he said trust master. Trust. Yeah. Trust master. Come. Correct. Lord of the Rings. You're correct. You Hell are correct. Yeah. Well done. Hell yeah. You're not going to be drinking any of your fucking whiskey. Question number ten. <laughs> Lord I'm of the Rings are porn. It anyway. <laughs> yes, baby, I'm uncut. <laughs> It's the baby that throws me off there. I mean, it's. I'm gonna say porn on that one. Yeah, you're spot on. If if it says baby, it's in a porn. Yeah, there's no <laughs> question about it. <laughs> All right, so halfway through, you have nine halfway. out of ten, which is pretty good. Okay, pretty good. What, what did Earnshaw yeah. have? Did he have ten for ten at this point? Uh, he had ten for ten at this oh, point. Oh damn, yeah. damn. Earnshaw. Question number eleven. Right. <laughs> Lord of the Rings or porn? Think a moment, Alice. Larger things have come out than what is about to go in. <laughs> Lord of the Rings report. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Take a moment, Alice. Larger things have come out than what's about to go in. Yeah, it's just science, honestly. It's just science. That's just science, man. It's just, it's just science. Oh, man. This one... Mm. <laughs> I'm going to go porn on this one. <laughs> You're right. You're okay. right. All right. Fucker. <laughs> All right, question 12. Lord of the Rings or porn? What is it? What do you smell? Man flesh. <laughs> um. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. You're correct. I've honestly just started giving you the point before you answer. So, so I can <laughs> click on the next one faster. Question number 13. Lord of the Rings are poor. How's that whiskey tasting? Oh, so good. So good. What's the proof on that? 124.2. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. It's good. It's good. Nice. Spicy, bro. Yep. <laughs> 13. I'm gonna pop that back wall! 
So cor- correct me if I'm wrong. He's saying I've got to pop that back wall. Yes. Yes, that is correct. I've got to pop that back wall. It's <laughs> like a weird thing to do to a wall to pop it. Got to pop that back wall. Yeah, I mean, what's weirder? Is it weirder to do that to a wall or to an ass? That's what we weren't thinking about at all. That's the science you're trying to figure out right now. (laughs) A weird thing to say, and and he is saying pop, right? Uh, yes. Gotta pop that back wall. I'm gonna go porn on that one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's porn. Still seems weird. (laughs) I wonder how that played into the plot development. Hmm. Question number 14. Are you ready for my torpedo? <laughs> Lord of the Rings are porn. <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, porn on that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a gimme. That's a gimme. You got it. <laughs> Question 15. Lord of the Rings are porn. I feel good about this one. Hold them. How long do you need? As long as you can give me. Lord of the Rings. Yes, sir. All right. We're almost there. Question 16. Lord of the Rings or porn? The word of Helm Hammerhand shall sound in the deep one last time. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Yeah. Uh, question 17. <laughs> Give it to us raw and wriggling. <laughs> raw and wiggling. <laughs> so, all right. So here's my thought process on that one. So <laughs> if it was just give it to us raw, I'd be like, oh, that's definitely porn. <laughs> I'm wondering about the wiggling part. Like the wiggling part is kind of weird me out a little bit. <laughs> give us... Give it to us raw and wiggling. If that bothers you, you're watching the wrong kind of porn, my friend. I apparently. That porn's all about the wriggle. Yeah, Yeah. I need to be watching more of a (laughs) Miliardo's octopus porn. Um, Right. It's all about the wriggle. (laughs) I'm going to go. I think it's Lord of the Rings. You're fucking right. Of course you're fucking right. Yeah, that's Lord of the Rings. It's because of the wiggling part. If you had cut it off at the raw part, I would have gone porn every day, all day. All right, question 18. Lord of the Rings or porn? Where is he? He fell. Lord of the Rings or porn? Really, that's it? Where is he? He fell? Mm-hmm. That's all you're going to give me. Where is he? He fell. They're not all freebies. You know, training wheels are off, Corrales. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, you got it right. Fuck. Suck a dick. Miliardo can suck a dude. Question number 19, Lord of the Rings or porn? Yeah! Let me go in deep. Here it comes, baby. There it is. Do it, dammit, baby. It's doing dammit. Lord of the Rings or porn? Definitely porn, man. The baby's really messing you up, dude. I know. I know. I should have edited that out. And the last question, Corrales. Lord of the Rings or porn? Last one. 
What's for dinner? I got a third burger for you. Eat this. Lord of the Rings are porn. I got a what burger for you? Fur burger. I got a fur burger for you. Eat this. Yep. Oh, shit. That's a good one. <laughs> a fur burger. <laughs> the fuck is a fur burger? Oh, what is it? <laughs> Lord of the Rings. That one was porn. Oh, that one was porn. Got two on you. So, your final score, 18 out of 20, which is good. That's an A, That's an A, right? That's an A minus. That's, that's a 90 percentile, right? It's 90, yeah. What do you think Earnshaw did? I'm hoping 17, but I'm thinking 19. <laughs> it was 20. He aced it, 20 for 20. Yeah, he, uh, he knows his porn. That son of a whore. But you know what, man? I'm impressed. <laughs> Corrales, I'm impressed. Thank you, sir. So how did you know so many of those? Obviously the baby thing. But aside yeah. from the baby thing, how did you know? Just, you know, I tried to put myself in the Lord of the Rings. I tried to put myself in a porn video. Right. And just think, like, what would Corrales do? <laughs> I am uh, editing that out. Just that part where he said, I tried to put myself in a porn video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know, man. Just context clues and thinking about what made sense. Like fur burger. Nicely done. What the fuck? A fur burger. Who says that in a porn (laughs) video? A fur burger. That sounds horrible. That's not something I want to put in my mouth. You know what I mean? Jeez. It's cool. Neither did Schmeagel. You're fine. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, you tell Earnshaw that he can suck on a fur burger, and I will. I will have my revenge. Okay. The message will get through All for right. sure. How did Freedom do? Do you remember? I don't, but I'm fairly sure. It certain wasn't that Carlos good, though. You. Oh, uh, yeah. It wasn't that it good. It wasn't that good. <laughs> I think you got, I think you got either bad. 17 or 16. No, no. You weren't, you weren't miles behind Corrales. You were you, a couple other extra. Well, not in but this yeah, it was particular close. circumstance, but at life, miles behind. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <Aww. Aww. Aww. laughs>